hello there, everyone. Welcome to episode 137 of the Finger Guns podcast, the final episode of 2021. Don't start, I might get a bit emotional. Joining me is Kat. Hello. Hello, how are you, mate? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I, I feel a, a great sense of pride right now. Yeah? I don't how know come? why. I'll talk about it later. Are you going to get all gooey on us? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling oh, good. I'm feeling gooey and on the inside. Very proud of um, oh. of us lot. Um, how are you? Yeah, yeah, all good. Nothing much to report since uh, our little word vomit on Friday. Was it Friday? Saturday? Friday? Oh, what do you mean the uh, Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler special available now on all good podcast services? <laughs> I did mean the Spider-Man spoiler special that's available on all podcast networks. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That thing has got numbers. Really? Yeah. <gasps> Over oh. the weekend, it went it went bloody ballistic. Yes, maybe we found a new uh, little side gig. Yeah, very very happy. I thought it would yeah, be. Maybe a... We should spoil all the cinema that's going on. <laughs> I thought it would be a slow burner, but it's uh, yeah, it went it went fire over the weekend. So very Damn. happy. Miles Thompson. Hello, dear Roscoe. Hello, buddy. How are you? Um, yeah, I'm doing all right, thank you. I've had a weird allergy, hay fever, whatever thing reaction today, which is weird considering it's the middle of December, but. Other than that, doing all right, thank you. Good stuff. And joining us for the first time in a while, the FFG, Mr. Sean Davies. Hi. Hey, man. It's so good to hear your voice. Thank you very much for saying that. How, I, how on earth are you? I am very well, thank you. I am full of um, fruit salad. You know those tin fruit salads? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fruit cocktail. There you go. Fruit cocktail. Yeah, I've had a tin of fruit cocktail, and I am ready and raring to go. Oh, man, With- I am so hyped. I, I had fruit cocktail with whipped cream. Ooh. So fucking middle class over here. Man, that is, wow. He, he says in the most stokey possible accent. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? You all right? Yeah, man. I'm really, really well. Thank you very much. Good. Yeah. Life is good. And rounding off the podcast, oh, this just makes me happy to say, Toby! Hello. Hey, man. How are you? I'm so I'm I'm very happy to hear your voice. That's what I'm happy oh, about. Good, 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 good. I'm happy to be here. I've not been able to be on the main podcast for a little while, have I? No, no. It's almost as if you have something far more important to deal with every week. <laughs> he is downstairs. It's actually asleep for once. I might have been able to do this one anyway, but um, my wife has taken the duties for Monday night, so I'm here. Oh, if only this wasn't the last one of the year. Well, I thought that was why I had to be here. You know, it's special, it is. isn't it? It absolutely special. is. Yeah. Um, yeah, Greg and Paul have decided it's not that important, but that's it's not uh, not special. That's fine. That's fine. You'll you'll hear from Greg a little bit later on in regards to our topic tonight, and um, I will read out Paul's later. Paul's 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 game of the years are a shocker. I'm not going to lie to you; it scares me, very, scares me, and confuses <laughs> me. But uh, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Um, yeah. So that is what we're doing uh, tonight. We are going through our games of the year to coincide with our massive game of the year article, which is going live. Uh, well, at the exact same time as this podcast. So all the Game of Year goodness is coming out all together. We're very excited about our article. It's huge. We've all contributed. And uh, yeah, very excited to get that out there. Um, but we are going to start, as ever, for the last time this year, with our Game of the Week. So I'm going to go from the top. Cut! What is your Game of the Week? My Game of the Week. <laughs> I never thought I would say this. In oh, a I, know, I know what you're going to say. I know. I know. I know. I know. My game of the week is Among Us. I know. I know what you're thinking. You How- mainstream shill. I know. Silence. How- I know. Boo. 
and kind of me called a nerd it's just boo at this point boo I've had so much fun in this game I kind of bought it for a bit of a laugh it was like three pound 20 or something ridiculous on the store and the thing is this game has been around for for like I don't know quite about a year or so hasn't it and it's just absolutely blown up you see celebrities play it you know everybody and their dog has it and I thought you know what for £3.20 I'll give it a bash and now I can't stop playing it and do you know what confessionally last night I (laughs) this is so embarrassing I (laughs) I got off the PlayStation and I was like right I'm gonna go to bed I'm gonna go to bed I'm gonna go to bed and I went upstairs and I kind of scrolled from my phone for a bit as I always do before I go to sleep what did I do before, Ross? What did I do before I went to sleep? Did, did you download Among Us? I did. I did do that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I played a couple of games on my phone and I was like, for fuck's sake. Oh, dear. I've really this is how it starts. It. it is. And it's one of those games where you just can't put it down. It's just one of those. And I, the thing is, I think in a, a big room of friends, it would actually be hilarious. I'm playing with like one, one or two friends at a time and it's still so good. The chat is so funny. Some people you can tell are literally 11 years old. Other people you can tell are probably like mid-20s, late 20s or early 30s, just having a laugh with people. The names that people come up with, the tactics. It's all good fun. It's all good fun, but people get real larry in it. Um, I'm like, guys, just a game, just a game. But I have so much fun doing it. Um, And there's nothing funnier than when you're, like, you feel so successful about getting a kill and then someone walks on the corner and catches you and you're like... Well, I tried. Um, but yeah, that's my game of the week. I don't know what else to say about it. If you haven't played it or you haven't heard of it, then you probably live under a rock. Um, you have one imposter um, or two imposters or three imposters in a room full of about, you know, five to 15 people. The rest of you are crewmates. You've got to do your tasks um, to win the game. And then if you don't win the game, Sean, you have your hand up. Are you clapping? Or have you got your hand up? I don't know. I'm clapping. Oh, thank you so much. Um, it's great. It's great. It's a great game. Uh, <laughs> and then if you if you are an imposter, you have to fake the tasks, which is really difficult if you don't know where the tasks are or what they do or how long they should actually take. Um, but you do get better at it. But that's my game of the week. Um, I've had so much fun playing it, and I really hope we do get a finger guns room going because mm. um, I think that would be relentless. Yeah, yeah, bit sus, bit sus, bit sus. Sus, you're, but, you're uh, all sus. But yeah, I can't stop playing it. So uh, if I play my ass, you rope me in. How dare you? I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, I've been playing it myself this weekend. It's uh, yeah, it's a riot. It's obviously good because it's been so goddamn successful. But it's uh, yeah, we're, we're so far behind the curve on this one. It's weird we're though, like... only because like I looked at it and I was like, nah, that's crap. But weirdly, I play the exact same game, but in horror. It's the same as Dead by Daylight, really. <laughs> yeah, it is in a way. Like little crying forms, you know. We've known, like you said, we've known about it for ages. We're just so behind. Yeah, it's it weird that they it's weird that they ripped off that uh, mode from Fortnite, but you know, oh, whatever. Yeah, obviously, yeah, that's that's what happened there. Sean <laughs> has left the call. <laughs> uh, Miles Turnal, your game of the week. Uh, yeah, clue was kind of in the name there. Of I finally got around to playing Returnal this week, and. Yeah. Uh, I really Yay. enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So thank you, Toby, for uh, providing me my copy. It was very, very good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I, I know obviously you spoke about it at length, Toby, so I won't harp on about how good it is because um, I have another one that I want to mention instead. But yeah, if you haven't played Returnal, play it. It's really good. It's really good fun. It's quite tough in places, but it actually wasn't as bad as I expected it to be or as I'd had it hyped up for me. Um, so I don't know if I just got lucky on my runs or something. But uh, yeah, very good game. Play it. 
Oh, I knew this was going to happen. I got returned. It was easy. Looking well I, easy, mate. I mean, I don't want to brag, but I died four times and none of them went to bosses. <laughs> it, this is miles all over. God's I sake. played this really hard game. It was fucking pissed, man. <laughs> yeah. I did it so, in a weekend. What are you talking about? Yeah, I actually did. <laughs> Sorry, Toby. Um, it took me like two, two and a half months almost to finish that game. <laughs> <laughs> Have you finished on hard mode, Toby? No, there isn't a hard mode. Probably. No, no, no. I did the plan. I did the platinum, but I didn't do it on hard mode. It's just got one mode. Yeah, I'm just, it, I'm just very slow. <laughs> it, it just lets you save mid run now, so you don't have to do it all at once. Oh yeah, I didn't get to save. But it's really like I can't save mid run. I find that's like sacrilege to like stop halfway and then just have to start again. I was like, no. I love this. This week on Get Fucked, Miles. <laughs> yeah, I kind of bring it on myself though. Don't yeah, I? shut up. Uh, Go away. So, well, my actual game of the week is a lot more wholesome than that because it's Life is Strange, the Wavelengths DLC. Um, so it came out at the end of September, I think it was, um, after the initial game released. And I didn't get around to playing it at first. And then I finally decided to play it this week. And it's really, really good. It's made on a budget. So it only features Steph. And although it's got other people voice acted and like one other character model that appears in the very last cutscene, it's all just Steph in the one record store of the... Um, of New Haven. Um, and it's probably the most that the series has actually addressed the outcome of season one. So if you finish season one, you know that you make a quite significant decision at the end. Um, and depending on your decision that you made, it actually deals with the ramifications of it to some degree, not massively, but it's the most direct that has ever actually been dealt with in any of the subsequent series. Um, and it's really heartfelt in places. And Steph is a really cool character. She's great in the first season, but she's obviously relegated as like a side character. Whereas in this, she's given like full limelight and she's a really fleshed out, excellent protagonist. I'd actually really like to see another sub game featuring her, like specifically. Um, there's lots of, I know obviously Life is Strange won the kind of impact award at the Game Awards. And I think this DLC probably went a bit of the ways towards that because it deals with a lot of stuff of kind of trauma, PTSD. Um, it's got an entire section to it that's dedicated just to kind of celebrating pride. Um, and it's just really nice. And you'll appreciate this, Roscoe, that throughout the, the chapters that it has inside the episode, um, you slowly make Steph's own song and you can choose whether it's like with a guitar or a synth, what kind of beat it has, what kind of tone it has. And then the lyrics can change depending on your choices on it as well. Um, and it's completely optional. You can ignore it if you want to, but I would say it's well worth doing. So, yeah, it's really cool. So, um, I wanted to give a shout out to it because, again, I think it kind of flew under the radar a little bit. And considering it was, I think it's in the deluxe edition, so you have to spend a bit more. Um, but I do think it's well worth it. I think it's like a couple of couple hours long, maybe a bit more. Um, so yeah, give it a shout. I shall wait till it lands on Game Pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you should. <laughs> but it's very good. It's worth playing if you do get around to playing the season itself. Cool. Sounds awesome. Cool. Glad Life is Strange is still delivering for you, man. I love it. Honestly, this season has really kind of bossed my expectations a lot more than I hoped it would. So, yeah, I'm thoroughly pleased. Sweet. Awesome stuff. Mr. Sean Davies, your game of the week. My game of the week is a game called Scarf, which comes out on PC on December 23rd. The embargo lifted yesterday and my review is almost done but so you can get the cliff notes basically this is a platforming game pretty minimalistic you play as this kind of uh, blue guy who doesn't really say much in fact i don't think he says anything who awakens to find this red snake-like glidey thing floating in the air in front of him 
and they decide to team up to take on these little minions called nomads. So this red stringy thing tells this, this protagonist that um, these these nomads, they they killed his mother and took her body and are using her body to like create things with her powers. So you basically go on this quest for vengeance. It's a very cool 3D platformer. It's got all the kind of tropes. You get new powers in each world, which you can use to then to overcome obstacles, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's not at all innovative in terms of gameplay, but where it is very, very cool is in the way that the narrative is put together. When you're playing it, it feels like a very cutesy um, kind of charming platformer where the two protagonists, basically this blue guy and the scarf, are having this blossoming friendship. But also along the way, you start to see things which maybe paint this whole tale in a different kind of light. And there are collectibles which tell the same story from a different perspective. And I finished it the first time and I was like, fuck, that was good. And then I went back and got the, all of the collectibles to see the second end ending. And I was like, fuck, that's even better. So this game is, is like stormed in at the end of the year and has come out of a bit of a surprise. I didn't really think it was going to be anything... And and to be fair, gameplay wise, you've seen all of this before. It's gliding, it's double jumping, it's all this kind of stuff. But the narrative, the way they framed it, is very very good. It it paints itself in one way, and without spoiling it, by the time you get to the end, you're like, oh, oh dear, <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, well worth a look when it comes out on the twenty third. If you have a PC, it is it is pretty. Um, gorgeous basically in places it's got like amazing sand physics that like it, it looks like a blanket blowing beneath your feet as you go across sand dunes and stuff so it is pretty Ooh. graphically intensive so right. if you've got a good PC give that a look I think it's coming to consoles at some point next year okay I get frame rate issues on Among Us so can I so can I run this <laughs> <sighs> how, how is your uh, sexy PC it's amazing. Mm. I I can run Halo on capped frames, etc. Um, and it uses 23% of my GPU, which is just yeah. Good lord. I don't know what's inside this thing. Um, because I was just like, give me the best thing I can afford on this money. And they went, okay. And <laughs> and apparently it's it's pretty good. Mm. Sounds I've like yet I've yet to find something that it, it can't run. How does Forza look on it? I haven't tried Forza. Oh, it's going to be good then, I imagine. I have downloaded Crisis. So I will be able to answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) I still won't be able to run it. No, no. (laughs) Do you know what's really weird? Some things do crash on this that didn't crash on my laptop, which is like weird, but I think I'm just really trying to push it. Mm. Like I've I've played Fire Girl this week and it was like, when you turn it on, it just sets everything to standard. So I was like, max, 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 uncap frames. Let's go, let's go. Mm. And then and it crashed. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. What about the, um, the? oh, no. I was going to ask, ask about the Matrix Awakens, but it's only console, isn't it? It's not available on PC. No. No. That's a shame. Just, I, I, I would like to see that run on there. Yeah, for sure. What's your game of the week? Oh, have you done Toby? I'm, is Toby next or are you next? Yeah, we'll ask Toby first if you like. Oh, okay then. Yeah, why not? Uh, Toby, what has been your game of the week, sir? We gave the 
two months that you've not been here? Not been that long. <laughs> Don't be mean. <laughs> um, actually, just before I start, nice. I was going to say the um, Among Us uh, that Kat was alluding to at one point, everyone and their dog bought Among Us. And I was thinking the dog version of Among Us would be even better. The <laughs> a bunch of dogs, right? But one of them, the imposter, is a cat. Oh my yeah. god! And, and you've got to find the cat. Your dog. I love it. I love it. And then instead <laughs> of tasks, you can go for walkies, and yeah. you can drink milk, and you, you can eat some kibble, play a ball, and <laughs> yeah. oh my god, Among Us make it. <laughs> have you Have you seen the the mods for Among Us? It's got to be one in there, probably that's already that, like this. Then there are there are millions of mods for Among Us. Ones that have them like one is called Werewolf Among Us, which basically takes it back to the traditional game where one person is a werewolf, which is great. But you've got ones based on every popular video game. So, like, if you wanted to play it so that you could play as, like, uh, Siren Head or, you know, Freddy. What's the game? Kruger. I think there is a horror one. Um, there's one where you've got to collect bits as, like, a, a particle inside a PC. Anyway, there are a billion. If you can get this on PC, there are so many mods that we could have so much fun with. There we go. So there's probably a dog and a cat version out Let there. Let me have a look. It's, a sim- it's got to be the simplest idea. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I came up with it. Cool. Well, my um, game of the week is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I got this a few weeks back. No, a week or two back on Black Friday um, for for a song, basically. It was very cheap. And um, just tried it out. And I've about, got about halfway in the last few days. It's just really, really, really fun. It's um, you know, which is what games should be. It's not, it's not trying to do anything really crazy or over the top. It's a very straightforward sort of, you know, the gameplay is quite straightforward and and it's things you will have seen before. But it's just done with a real, you know, a, a good eye towards what Guardians of the Galaxy is all about, the comedy of it, the sort of Marvel feel, um, without going anywhere near the really dull. Uh, microtransaction feel of Avengers it's just narrative focused it's like it's a bit like Fallen Order and it's a bit like you know a few other games where you just you know it's just a single player focused thing where you go from planet to planet to planet on a bunch of missions they're all strung together into a narrative that's quite fun and at the same time you know it's full of you know wisecracks from from Rocket and Drax not getting any of the jokes and and Gamora slicing shit up and it's really really fun um, everyone's just taking the piss out of Peter Quill, you know, and I just really enjoyed it. There, there's there's a lot of good stuff in there, lots of good dialogue, like just, you know, incidental dialogue that happens while you're just mucking around in the ship. You're just trying to find items and things, and they're just talking about, just incessantly talking about other stuff, but it's just fun to listen to. I've definitely wasted at least 20 to 30 minutes just listening to shit that these guys are talking about um, instead of playing, you know, or, or going any further. Um, and also the last thing I'd mention is the combat is really interesting. It's like, um, it's not like a, just a single player, you know, you only control Peter Quill. You actually do control the rest of the team, but you control them via calling them in like a tag team um, to do certain moves, right? So it's it's a little bit like a whole bunch of other games I've played this year, which is interesting. I don't know, it's something in the water going through the gameplay, but um, Scarlet Nexus and Tales of Arise both had this um, in, in RPG sense. You could bring in, you know, you just controlled one member of your team, but you could click a button and then you could bring in this other member to do a combo, click a different button, you bring in the same member for the second, like higher version combo. This has it all over it. And it's, you know, you just click 
the button and you can bring in Drax for four different types of combos or bring in Rocket to throw bombs at people or, or um, Gamora will fly in from really on high and slash someone. Do you know what I mean? It's um, it, it's that kind of thing. And it just means you end up pretty much in control of the whole team. Um, and you don't really feel like you're only controlling Peter Quill um, or Star-Lord or whatever you want to call him. And um, so, yeah, I'm about halfway through. I still got to go through the rest of it, but I would really recommend it. If you like your stories, if you like Marvel, if you like, um, you know, games that just just sort of concentrate on the single player and, and don't have, you know, any any multiplayer illusions whatsoever. It's um, it's right on my stream because of that. Can can I can I make a small bet with you? <laughs> I won't like it by the end. <laughs> no, no, no. I want I want I want to place a bet with you. You okay. think you are halfway through. I'm going to take a bet that you are about a quarter of the way through. Oh, okay. I have heard it's quite a bit longer than you think. Yeah, so that would make sense, maybe. Yeah. It, it, I'm, it, I was going by chapters, so there's like 18 chapters or something, so. Yeah, they, it's if, yeah, it's one of those games that you think, oh, it's going to finish, and it doesn't. And then yeah. it, 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 it doesn't. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it's like, That's good. I, I, It'll I last a bit longer. Going, this was great. I really enjoyed this. And then I was like, what? I'm fucking halfway through. And <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What about you then, Roscoe? What is your game of the year week? Well, thanks so much for asking. My game of the week is <clears throat> my game of the week is Godfall. <sighs> uh, <really>? Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's not even I, Godfall, though, is it? It's just the end of Godfall. Yeah, yes. my game of the, the week end. is the, the end of Godfall. The end game demo of Godfall. It's the I, demo. I downloaded this just out of pure curiosity. And you know what? It ain't that bad. I mean, it's not great. It's not interesting. It looks it looks gorgeous, but it's really dull and boring. But there's something there that's quite interesting in a way. You're really selling it. You're like, hey, yeah. it's really dull and boring. <laughs> It's dull and boring because you are super powered from the very beginning. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah. There's there's nothing here that would suggest that I actually want to go out and start the game over. But it's um you know, the combat is all right and the weapons are fun, the the traversal is isn't is interesting. Um I would have preferred starting from the very beginning just to see what the hell is going on because I they drop you at the very end of the game, um, as a lot of you probably know. And you don't fucking know what's going on. It's all very weird. Um, there's no sort of like previously on Godfall or anything like that. It's just, you know, there you are, end game, off you go. And that aspect of it is very weird. Um, but I don't think it's horrible. I don't think it's it's like a travesty to mankind, as some people claimed it was when it first came out. Um, I think there's something there, and it's probably worth, um, if, you are, if you were curious about it uh, when the PS5 launched, but we're kind of put off by the reviews and stuff, which I was definitely. Um, it's probably worth jumping in. You know, it's not, there's nothing special, but it's, I think there might be something there that's just about crawling into this is quite okay ish. It's kind of like a five out of 10. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know what other games you played for this week for this to be your game of the week. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. <laughs> I haven't played a lot. Fortnite. Fortnite. I, I haven't played much else. Yeah, I've been playing obviously I've been playing Fortnite. Um I've I I uh they put they put the No Way Home suits up on Fortnite and that was that was it for me, really. And I've been playing that ever since. They put web shooters into Fortnite, guys. 
so I can swing around like Spider-Man, and I, it makes me very, very happy. But uh, yeah, I, I play Spider-Man for that. Yeah, me too. Actually, I got the Noah Holmes the Spider-Man now as well. But you know, I can't get XP in Spider-Man because I've already platinumed it. <laughs> I don't need any XP. <laughs> There's nothing else I can do. That's fine. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, I've not really played a lot else. Um, I knew Cat uh, was going to take Among Us. So I had nothing else to talk about. So Godfall Challenger Edition, currently free on PS Plus for the next 10 days-ish. So, hey, if you want something mediocre, something that isn't as bad as everyone said it was, even though it's not great, Godfall is your game. There you go. I hope that helps everyone in their Christmas decisions for buying games for their kids. Right, we'll jump into our game of the year discussion now. Uh, we haven't got a quiz or anything like that. We've got a lot to talk about, so we're going to go Right in with everyone's games of the year. So are we going to go like one by one? What are we going to do? Uh, what do you think, Dave? Do you, do you want to go one by one? If we do like one person talks about five games, they're going to like lose their voice in one go, I think. Mm. So maybe it should be one by one. Or maybe just a big free-for-all discussion. Like, I'll tell you which is the best game of the year, and then you guys just have to argue about it. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, we'll do one by one, um, <laughs> except for except for Greg, who's at the end, and just does like five at once. Because... You can cut all his in one by one. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. It doesn't <laughs> sound like fun. I don't want to do that. Uh, rather, than, so we've all chosen five, except for Paul, who's chosen three, and um, this is very much what we do on Thinking Guns every year: is we all have varying tastes in our video games, and we can never ever decide on an actual game of the year because there's just no point in trying to pick one because we all play very different games and we all think every every game that we play is a game of the year. So what we do, we choose five each and we talk about them at great length. Um, you'll see the main article that's up on net right now. Uh, so go and check it out. And yeah, there's a nice spread of indies and triple A's and all sorts of goodness um, that you can, that you can uh, look out for on the website and on this podcast right now. So if you want to have an idea of the kind of stuff that we've been playing, I think we're up to 37 or something that we've chosen. It's absolutely bonkers, a huge amount of games. But there's, uh, yeah, there's plenty to talk about. And uh, yeah, we'll start with, because it was Toby's idea, we'll start with Toby for the first one. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, right, my my game of the year, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is actually my top of the five, um, is... Uh, Returnal. I know Miles just mentioned it, so I'll. Uh, it, it's. Uh, I'm going to talk about it at length, <laughs> even if you were. I should say. To. I should say that they're, they're, they're in. They're in, they're in, not in a particular order. It's only Toby's that apparently are, is in a particular order. I've decided that this one is in an order. The other four won't be. How about okay. that? Right. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> why not? To do it again. <laughs> no. Go on. Carry on. Okay. Um. So yeah, Returnal. Absolutely the surprise of the year for me. Um, I was not expecting a game that, um, yes, although it does have a story, it's not, you know, the absolute crux of the game. It's, it's meant to be a roguelite, but with a narrative as well. It's very much a gameplay focused, you know, housemark, uh, bullet hell sort of a game. Um, but it drew me in so incredibly quickly and it was that gameplay that really did it. But at the same time, having a narrative to keep you you know grounded within what's what's happening 
um, just meant that it was, you know, it's up there with with like Hades and such, with you know those roguelites that actually have stories as well. Um, and um, children of what's it that I've forgotten the name of right now? Um, John, help me. Mortar, children of Mortar. Um, the <laughs> the whole game is just you going from um, you, you crash land um, as a, a lady called Celine, who's an astronaut. She crash lands on a on a, a very sparse, strange planet, um, and it's completely uninhabited as far as you know human life is, is concerned. But then she finds lots of very strange creatures appear. They all want to kill her. Um, there's sort of an old civilization that was there that she finds the the remnants of, and then there are bodies everywhere, and the bodies are her, and the the bodies are previous times she's landed here and died, previous times she's crashed that ship and died, previous times she's gone through that that particular biome or that particular area of the planet and died again and again and again, and it's this fascinating sort of Groundhog Day scenario of living you know, your a life and dying on this planet is the way you advance through the storyline. Um, there is a incredible uh, twist bit around about halfway through where you think it's over and it's not. Um, and it's just got this, you know, just a fantastic part of the story there as well. There are sort of six, um, six of these biomes. I read, a, I read an article the other day about how many biomes or areas they wanted to put into the game and it was like 30 odd or something like this and they had to whittle it down to um these six different biomes but they obviously put you know all of their room ideas and things into the six that they eventually went with um but you'd get they're sort of randomized like you would expect in a, in a roguelite and then the last thing on top of that is just this incredible bullet hell gameplay that involves sort of um like dodging and flashing in and out of sort of reality as you as you as you go a whole bunch of very very cool weapons from sort of laser shotguns to um rocket launcher things machine gun sort of types and you're just dodging a million other bullets coming at you from all these other creatures they're they're sort of they're sort of mammals and reptiles and such but like all glowy and neon and they shoot lasers and i don't know why but the whole thing is incredibly cool um and I just got so addicted to it, so so incredibly addicted to it over the course of the year, um, that it just absolutely has to take um, the game of the year position uh, for me. Um, and yeah, that's I, I can't believe it was. I suppose the last thing to mention maybe is that it was. It's like the only game for years now that I've got into leaderboards on um, as well. So I, I clocked in about eighty hours on it in the in the end, and I managed to place in the top five, top two of leaderboards on daily challenges and things on a regular basis across the sort of two months I was playing it, which is unheard of for me in any games, really. I just, I never get good enough at them to do that. Um, And I was very proud, very proud of it. Did you complete it in a weekend though? No, (laughs) no, I did not. So I have to to temper this with, yeah, I got really good, but it took me ages to finish it absolutely ages i was trying to collect everything i also had a child born at the time <laughs> um so it did take a little while to get through um and i did find it pretty tricky certainly the, i think miles and i have discussed this already like the first two bosses are way harder than the last three bosses and 100%. they one, once you were aware of it and how to play and you get good the, the other three bosses are not as hard no way um but yeah that's my game of the year i'll um i'll stop there Wonderful stuff. So we have Returnal on the board. Uh, Sean, your first game of the year. 
My first game of the year is Tales of Iron, which is a 2D RPG from Oddbook Studio. Is that T-A-L-E-S or T-A-I-L-S? T-A-I-L-S. Oh, good, 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 good. (laughs) So this game I saw many, many years ago when me and Ross were at EGX and I was sat outside having some kind of vape when a couple of developers that I'd spoken to previously interviewed them for their previous game, The Lost Bear, came up to me and said, hey, do you want to see our game? Because they'd been there to put, put like uh, pitch it to some publishers. And they showed me this short video of this little rat doing little combat moves, and it looked very cool. They took that away, and they built one of my favourite games of this year, probably my favourite, because it is so damn charming, but also so mature in everything that, that it does. So... It is a story of Reggie, a a small rat who is a good guy. You know, rats are good guys in this. And his kingdom that that he was going to take the throne of has been taken over by these evil frogs alongside other beasties. He is on a quest for revenge. It's nothing narratively, you know, deep or nuanced. It is basically Reggie's taking back his kingdom. But... It's so mechanically brilliant, the way that they've done this. It's Souls-like combat, um, but it's also with a rock, paper, scissors styled um, like parry system. So every enemy attack will have some kind of telltale sign. It's, it's usually like a little color symbol that appears above their head. And you have a split section sec, second to correspond to that action with your own action. So for example, if they're going to do an unblockable attack, you have to dodge. If they're going to try and rush you, you have to make sure you parry it. And it is phenomenal. It's really, really challenging, but equally as rewarding. And it's it's basically an, an amazing evolution of everything they started with The Lost Bear, which was like a VR pop-up book. This feels like moving through pages of a graphic novel. It's it looks painterly, but it's not. Um, it doesn't feel like a, like a book this time around. It feels more detailed. I'm just so impressed with what they did. Uh, I mean, I give it nine out of ten in my review. And having played the DLC that they also released for the game, which came free, I I would I would probably have given it to ten if I'd reviewed it now. It's just amazing. That's my first game of the year. Yeah. It's one that's been on my list for ages, and um, it looks 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 beautiful. So, yeah, I'm gonna give it a go. It's on my 2022 resolution list of games that I haven't yet played from 2021. I have it on PlayStation as well now. So if you want to, you know, ah, okay, I know because I'm just a glutton for punishment. I've got it on all the platforms. <laughs> Indeed, absolutely. Cats, uh, your first game of the year. Um, in no particular order. I've only done four as well, mind. You said that everyone had done five. The only reason that I didn't I'm do so a fifth terribly one, sorry. Oh my god. You should be, yeah, no. Oh. Um to be fair, I would have done a five and because I agree with everything that Toby said in terms of Guardians of the Galaxy, that would have been the fifth one on my list, but I just haven't played enough. Because as Sean says, I'm probably about five percent through it. I think I'm only on like chapter five or six. Like I'm not far through it at all, and I just didn't get a chance to give it as enough justice as I wanted to. But four with an honorary mention of five. How about that? Um, But my first one that I'm going to mention is um, a little game called A Juggler's Tale. Um, And I I had a hangover from this game in the best way. Um, People say that like when 
avid book readers uh, read kind of a really good book. They have like a, a hangover where they can't really get into another game, another book, because they are too busy in the world of the previous book that they've just read. And I kind of feel like this with A Drugless Tale, because I feel like I think about this game a lot and I feel like, wow, if only had that been longer, or if only had that, you know, what would they have done if that was, you know, a bigger game? And the game is only running at around two hours which was like my only criticism was that it was just too short uh, but the two hours that you do play is just fantastic they've just thought about everything and it's like you know like when you watch those food analogy coming are you ready metaphor is coming you know when you watch those food shows and they say oh you did something simple so you need to do it well well, that's exactly what a juggler's tale did. It's a two-hour short puzzle platformer, and everything they've done, they've done really well. Visually, it's absolutely stunning. There's story, there's voice actors. Um, when you pause the menu, he he like hums, and it's like the narrator who's like your circus kind of guide. Um, he hums them and it's just all very charming until it's not which is you know which is kind of part of the game every game needs I guess an equilibrium uh breaker and it's essentially about a girl who is a puppet or she's a puppet or a marionette as they call them uh, which is essentially a puppet on strings um and she escapes the circus but her strings are still attached to us so there's loads of stuff she can't do because her strings will get in the way so as she kind of goes through the forest she obviously can't go under trees because the strings will attach to her branches so you've got to find like really creative ways and at first it was really hard because I was like the game gave you no clues no nothing um until what I realized was the clues were just melded in with the background but you can change it in accessibility options um I just thought it was beautiful part of part of the design but it was actually just a hint I was being super thick um but they have like boss rounds and they have it's just amazing the story progression is really really good um yeah I haven't stopped thinking about this game and I think I played it like six months ago um I think it was just a wonderful wonderful little game if you have two hours just play it because I just think what a great game what a cool little game <laughs> um yeah a little unique you know because I think there's only sometimes so much you can do with puzzle platformers I've played a lot this year and you know especially if they're side scrollers you jump you go through switches you do x y and z and so that added dynamic of abby being on her strings was just really cool um and of course because you've escaped circus the circus master wants you back the ringleader um so you're being chased as well so there's like extra um, and there's like selfie bits in there there's like a little bit of combat in there but it's more like puzzly combat um yeah super cool play it that's all I've really got to say about it I think it's out on Switch PlayStation it might be on Game Pass I'm not completely certain um but yeah I just what a great little game love it love it I knew, I knew you'd enjoy it it was one of those games I had my eye on for ages yeah super was like, super cool I'm so glad it came out well because it looked it looked awesome yeah mm. uh Miles your first game of the year um, I've decided to do my first four in no particular order, and then I'm going to save my proper game of the year for last, Ooh, um, just, to, just to really build up the suspense, you know. Um, my first one's probably a surprise to absolutely no one, and that is Life is Strange Two Colours. Um, like I said, I played the Wavelengths DLC, I've obviously just talked about that, and that just added to, you know, justifying that it was a good decision on my part to put it in my list. Um, 
I was really hesitant about the new protagonist and, you know, Deck Nine obviously did a good job with um, the Before the Storm season. But I wasn't overly keen on Life is Strange 2 nearly as much. And so coming into this one, I just didn't expect much of it. And I had the exact same feeling of when I first booted up the first season of Life is Strange, I knew nothing about the game. And I just had the music in like the main menu. And I sat there for like 10 minutes just listening to it before I even started the game. And loading up True Colors, I did almost exactly the same thing. And it just evoked all of those same kind of feelings and emotions. And I was like, I'm in for a good time. And I know I am. And I know this is going to hurt emotionally and I'm going to love it. Um, but my favorite moments of the season, I think what they captured so perfectly is those times where the game just stops. You know, you sit down at like the edge of a pier in New Haven or you're on like a rooftop building and you're like looking out over the, the kind of town or the city that they've built. And you'll just get this amazing piece of music that kind of harmonizes with it as you're like listening to Alex's thoughts or what she's going through or whatever. And I just love it. There's just something about it that no other game really kind of captures, but somehow Life is Strange as a series always seems to nail. Um, and the story is well told um, for the most part. I like the emphasis on empathy empathy, and it's a much more kind of personal tale. It's about the characters of the, the town. Um, it can get a little bit bogged down by the end and there are a couple of plot holes if you think too hard on it, but I genuinely think a lot of what's in here is very good. And the last episode has some really intense stuff but in the best kind of way where it genuinely has you you know experiencing a lot of empathy for the characters and what people go through in real life and I think that's the best thing it does is that it does show you a bit about what people's genuine experiences are like with things like you know trauma and anxiety and emotional you know baggage and whatever um but it's brilliantly made I wish it was a bit longer um I think my playtime was roughly around eight hours for all five chapters of the entire thing um so it does feel a little bit shorter compared to the other seasons which was a shame um but yeah decisions you know feel like they are important intrinsically um you know it doesn't necessarily change everything hugely but your decisions kind of shape how you see alex's character which i think is really cool um and yeah like i said the wavelengths dlc if you get the deluxe edition is a brilliant little add-on um, and it follows on directly from Life is Strange 1 in a really direct way, which I thought was great because they haven't really done that before. Um, and yeah, the characters are all nice, liked them all. I thought the story was great. I just had a really good time roaming around New Haven, getting to know it and actually just, just appreciating being in a game rather than, you know, like a lot of the games I've played this year, I've played for, you know, to grind out a platinum or to play it for X amount of hours to get good at it or you know to get to the end like I was you know I had an objective whereas with Life is Strange it was one of the few games this year that I've actually just sat back and gone I'm just going to take my time and enjoy this and uh, I feel like those kind of games are really kind of precious to me so yeah that's my first one on my list I love it Life is Strange man so much love for Life is Strange tonight I like it oh so good so so good Toby Oh yeah, Toby! Come play on, it. man! Play it, Toby! Go <laughs> the remastered series are coming out this month or in a month's time. You got no excuse. Yeah. Let's I get agree. you a review code, Square Enix. <laughs> get us, man! Yeah, if you're listening, Bloody man, I want to play. <laughs> yeah, we've been raving about your games. Give us some code. <laughs> what happens yeah. when he gets it and he doesn't like it? Uh, he kick not, him out. I'm, I'm not. I'm not tolerating it. Like I'm not. I even bought the ultimate edition on purpose. The so newbies want to kick me again. out. Did you hear this? This is ridiculous. <laughs> the <laughs> 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 
If I'd have said I hate a plague cell, I'm sure you would have written to them privately and be like, right, we kicked the new one. I think Cat is not right for the thing. Not, not right yeah. for the again. She doesn't I don't think she's the right fit, guys. <laughs> this podcast has turned into a game of Among Us. Cat is sus. Yeah. Cat is <laughs> I'm going to be ejected into space if I don't like a plague cell. <laughs> You're going to be ejected if you don't like a strange like um life is strange. I tried to buy one yesterday, oh. like the other day, really, and. I tried about six different people on Facebook Marketplace, and each one went, "Oh no, collection only," or um, oh. "I'm not doing, I'm not selling it anymore," or uh, "I know it's already sold." And I was like, oh, "Fuck's sake, take your fucking thing off then! If it's, <laughs> it's already gone, you dick!" Stop oh, teasing me. <laughs> so I actually still don't, still don't have it. Oh, Sorry, that's all right. You'll get it soon. I hope. Mm. Uh, right then, my first game of the year. Um, I'm going to start with my AAAs because I've got a couple on my list. Um, my first one is Halo Infinite. Um, I feel like I've talked far too much about it already on the podcast the last few weeks, but you know, um, I said the other week that I love it, but I'm not in love with it yet, and that still stands true. Um, the story is going in ways I wasn't expecting, but um, I'm enjoying it nonetheless. The good far outweighs the bad, and so it's um, it's just exactly what I wanted. It's you know, it focuses on the fallout between Chief and Cortana and that was the most important thing for me because that story, I don't know how this happens because Cortana is an AI but I've known Cortana for the best part of 20 years and the sheer fact that she's not with the Chief right now is really upsetting (laughs) and it's really devastating and it was that, that fallout of Halo 5 which made Halo 5 actually interesting um it wasn't a great game by any means but the sto- the way the story ended was really really heartbreaking and to see the effect that that's had on chief in halo infinite is really interesting particularly in the sense that you know he's got a new ai now called the weapon which uh, she's just as cool she's very fun and um, very breezy and light and fun to have around but um you know, she's not quite Gortana yet. There's something about her. She's not quite Gortana. And Gortana's gone rogue. You know, Gortana is the, the reason, essentially, um, for the Banished taking over taking over the Zeta Halo rings. And that's heartbreaking enough. Um, Gortana's always been a little bit questionable, always a little bit dodgy in the, in, in, in the games in the past. But, you know, the relationship between her and the Chief was always something to cling on to. And the fact that they're exploring that in a very different way in Infinite, um, making Chief seem, you know, fallible and a little broken, a little sad and a little emotionally drained from the constant battles that he's in and how it never seems to to stop. You know, he's tired. We've got a Master Chief that's tired and, you know, just constantly fighting for something that is almost a lost cause in kind of the survival of humanity and... The way that Halo explores that is really interesting, and it's by far 343's best work in the series, um, without question. Um, I'm not at the end yet. I'm not even close. I'm really taking my time with it. I'm sort of uh, putting it off every few days just a lot. I really want to make it last, and I'm having a great time. The open world, you know, still isn't really an open world. You can't really call it an open world. It's a very quasi-open world, and um, it's still a bit sparse. It's still a bit uninteresting in places and there are areas that you know I've, I've taken down an outpost that i've beaten only for enemies to pop up again there which is kind of annoying 
um, and doesn't really fit the mold that they're trying to to kind of go for in this kind of open world idea that you're taking over each bit over and over again. But um, yeah, we're having a great time, and the multiplayer is just extraordinary, just absolutely spectacular. The best shooter, the best online shooter around right now, for sure. And it's not close. It's not even close. And uh, yeah, there's so much to enjoy about it. And I'm very happy that it came out in this state. And we got, you know, a year's delay on this thing, but it was it was uh, for the right reasons. And I'm very, very, uh, very happy with the state that it's currently in. So yeah, Halo Infinite is one of my games of the year, for sure. All right, let's go to round two. Where do we start? Toby. All righty. Um, so my second one, so again, we're going no particular order now, um, is Narita Boy. Narita Boy. So um, Narita Boy, if anyone's been listening for the whole year, um, they will remember early this year that I was very excited that Narita Boy was actually coming out because this is a Kickstarter that I followed for about four years. Um, it was announced probably 2017, I think, um, with some very, very cool synth covered pixel art videos that looked amazing. Um, and this whole very cool world of the digital kingdom, which is like a Tron, but like a fantasy version of Tron. Um, at the game, I just kind of thought it was never coming out, to be perfectly honest. It went quiet for a long time during those four years. Uh, and then suddenly in 2021, very beginning of 2021, we got all this news that it was actually coming out and it had got it got picked up by a publisher and it had, you know, it was actually gonna make its way to all the consoles and game and game players and everything. Um so I was very, very pleased that it was coming out. And then when it did, it was actually really good, which is a great thing when you actually get one, you know, a bit like Sean said with um, Tales of Iron, that you know, you've been watching something for a long time. It's often not, it's not what you want, you know, it's often a bit disappointing. But um, this was actually just just fantastic. So um, the quick version is uh, Narita Boy is a, a, like I said, like a fantasy Tron. You play a kid who gets sucked into a um, computer screen and you then live in the world of the digital kingdom. You're assigned, you know, a, 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 your mission and your mission is to, to save that, that world from um, this sort of corruption virus stuff that's happening, these very weird uh, creatures or, or sort of red code that's coming in. Um, but it's just sort of, incredibly written at the same time so that's quite a normal setup really you've seen it in the, in the in a number of 80s movies but what it's doing is taking that that um that idea and sort of mythologizing it is the best word i could think of so it, it goes beyond world building in my opinion it goes to you you build a world and your world building is when you you know you, you've got lore and you've got you know all these different little little things you can trinkets you, trinkets you can pick up and everything seems to work within that world and reveal more and more stuff about it where this goes further is it sort of ha this mythologizing thing. It actually kind of makes the world feel old and lived in and like it's existed for a thousand years. And like there are parts of it where you're just like, that's like Greek mythology level shit. Do you know what I mean? Like it's got this, um, it's like um, mythologize the inside of a computer. So you've got RGB light is the is the sort of Triforce, like, like you'd find in Zelda. That is the, 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 the three colors that then run through the whole system of the game. And it's got hoverboards made out of floppy disks and it's got monsters made out of old Apple computers. And the whole thing just feels so tangible and real. And But it has this sort of like, like I say, the sort of myth-like feel to it. Um, and then on, on top of that, it had all this fantastic combat, really, really fun sort of, you know, edging towards 
challenging but not not quite going too far into challenging sort of dodge based combat lots of very cool um stuff with a sort of shotgun sword that you could use i know greg found it a lot of fun to play as well and um, with the same sort of issues with the, not issues the same sort of um delight in the con in the combat um and a just jaw dropping synth soundtrack over the top of it and this amazing pixel art i just couldn't really have written down like the list of things i wanted from a video game and for them to all be good and it all was in one video game and it was just it was just fantastic i, I loved every minute of it um worked my way to a, a platinum on that as well and just i just think it was just so incredibly satisfying just like something you've wanted for a long time turns out to be just mwah, chef's kiss yeah i was really happy when that turned out well because i know how much oh, you're looking forward to it i was so ready for it to be you know a seven and i was mm. like oh please don't be a seven it was good it was good anyway i'll keep it short but that one was fantastic yeah i'll never forget playing the demo and getting to that bit where you take out the sword and the buttons just weren't registering they'd keyed it all for pcs yeah um, and then they hadn't worked out that you couldn't press that button on a console properly <laughs> but it all worked again on the, on the day of release it just didn't yeah. work in the demo it's gutted thank god uh sean round two okay so my second game of my five is called chicory which recently, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could say it like that if you want. <laughs> I, I, I do, whenever I see it written down. <laughs> <laughs> What's that off? Chickity chick. Have you been watching In the Night Garden? No. Of course you have. Okay. <clears throat> I think it's just off Roscoe, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so this game is, it's about a character, but it, the character isn't Chicory. Chicory is one of the main characters, but you play as this player named character in this world this dog who works for Chicory. She cleans up their apartment. And one day she finds this magic paintbrush and she's not supposed to touch it, but Chicory does. No, sorry, the, the protagonist does. And she goes off and has a play around with this magic paintbrush. So in this game, you control both your character and the paintbrush on screen. And with the paintbrush, you, you can paint, you can change colors and you can, design and paint over whatever you want in the world with chicory you then get to move around they these two are married in such an amazing way so that basically what you paint is often affecting of the world that chicory moves through not just in a visual way but in a mechanical way that i was stunned at times how good this this game is as you move through you get new powers so you make for example like you drop paint on the end of one end of a pipe and it comes out the other, and then you, okay, Felicity, hello. <laughs> um, and you basically swim through these pipes because you dive into the paint. But what really stood out to me about this game is the story. So Chicory isn't the character you control, but is, is kind of the center to the story. And the way that this game portrays real world emotional feelings and states is mind-blowing it's so relatable that you Daddy. hello Bye, I'm, I'm on a podcast would you like to come and say hello yeah. come on quickly okay hello. thank you okay bye, bye. see you in the morning oh, it's so cute <laughs> she should have said chickory <laughs> <laughs> good night Bye. Okay, 
So it, it portrays depression, anxiety, and I think kind of just the maudlin feelings that everyone like in the world has probably experienced at one point in such a relatable way that you kind of sit there and take this in and, and like you, you're enjoying this amazingly creative world that is completely without colour and it's so on the nose sometimes that like you don't see it because it's so on the nose like the world is currently without colour because of the way that Chicory feels and you're there with a paintbrush trying to paint it up and sometimes you know so when you're feeling down and someone's like let's let's cheat up a bit let's colour it up you don't like that <laughs> it's you know sometimes you just want to be down sometimes you just need to get through it and these are the things that come out through this game that, that it's, it has a narrative which has been designed by people who have most definitely experienced and can relate to how how exhausting mental health can be at times and it is an absolute joy because it is both relatable and mechanically fantastic it's so creative and at the same time so emotionally like something you can attach to the characters are all brilliant everything in the game is named after food like you, you the, when you start the game it says what is your favorite food you you tell it your favorite food and that is what it names the main character so my apparent character was called pizza you know because whatever um but this game for me stood out as something really special it, it felt a lot like celeste did a couple of years ago where it just did something that with, with, in, a, in a genre that just didn't have it right now. And I cannot advise you more. If you've got a PlayStation or you've got a PC or you've got a Switch, go and play this. Also, one of the best soundtracks of the year by, by none. This should have won best soundtrack because it is that fucking good. I was going to say, it probably, sound, it probably feels like Celeste because of the soundtracks done by the same lady. Uh, <laughs> So I've got another child here. What's up, my kid? Okay. It is bedtime. Yeah. Okay. See you in the morning. Bye, my okay. <laughs> At least he whispered. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the soundtrack is is by the same person as Celeste, but everything about the game as well feels like um it feels like it taps into just raw emotion that people have felt and then portrays it in a way that makes it feel relatable. And I don't know how to put that in any better words, but you play it and you go, shit, yeah, I felt like that. And it's, it understands it better than most, I would say. If wow. you've had a really shit day, go and play Chicory and it will be like, fuck, yeah, that's me. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. That gives me uh, Night in the Woods vibes. You that's know how yeah. I felt when I played Night in the Woods. Yeah. Yeah, do you know some of them games that just tie into the, the feeling that you got at the moment? Yeah. Just one of those. Awesome stuff. The games are that are very important, and I'm glad that they've been recognised, and they're good as well. This is good. Yeah. The boss fights are fucking brilliant. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Like, some of the best of the year. Sweet. I'm going to get on that for sure. Uh, Cap? I'm going to leave this short and sweet because it's uh, probably the, well, it is the only AAA out of my uh, section that's Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart. I think I've spoken a lot about it. this, that, wait. I have spoken a lot about this this year. <laughs> um, and yeah, what do I say? It's Ratchet and Clank. I actually 
have only recently gotten into ratchet and clank in the last like five years or so it's not something that i've had since i was a kid it's not something i've been into since i was a kid just because for whatever reason i was too busy uh with purple dragons and bandicoots uh i guess uh but i still love it for what it is and i still um, was really excited for rift apart and when rift apart came out okay yes it was partially pricey for what it was but i remember very similar to what Miles said around kind of just taking his time and just enjoying the game for what it is doing that so I was going through when I was when I bought the game at the time I had actually done the game as a reward so I was like if I do 2,000 words I get to treat myself to Ratchet and Clank um and I did because I really wanted the game and I remember really saying like really kind of take it in because this was your treat um and I loved it it was so much fun to you know it's just so familiar isn't it when you have that kind of I guess franchise that has been kind of old and new it's so familiar which makes it so kind of just at its core very kind of homely um even if you haven't been playing it for very long and the thing is as well they kept everything that everybody loves about Ratchet the, the quirky guns the funny combat the great script uh, the good relationship between Clank and between Ratchet and Clank you know they've brought in other characters as well which you know you just grow to love like Kit um there's just it was just really really good and I, you know I've said it before in other pods but it really held the PS5 for you know a couple of months alongside Demon Souls um, until other stuff started to come. And actually, I think it did a really, really good job of doing that because I think Ratchet and Clank is not only for you know people who used to play it; it can be for everybody. You you could be 15 years old and get into Ratchet and Clank and start with Rift Apart, and it wouldn't make a difference. And I think that's really important for any kind of franchise: is that anyone you know, any kid or any adult or any kind of teenager can pick up a game and just jump right in. I think that's really important um and that's that's what Ratchet and Clank does so well is that it's so happy and it's so it's just fun isn't it, it just remind Ratchet and Clank reminds me of the games like Spyro and, and Bandicoot because that's where they started um and so to continue to bring that in and just make it exactly what we love about gaming today with open world and incredible graphics and you know all that jazz um yeah it's, there's so much variety and it's it's such a great showcase for the ps5 i was really surprised it didn't win anything at the <laughs> game awards <laughs> but here we are um yeah I, yeah i mean short but lovely great amazing um i had a lot of fun ross i know you had a lot of fun with it toby i know you didn't care much for it you were like it's fine sorry um, <laughs> that's fine dude that's fine I think I was really excited because I, I don't know I guess I don't know I don't know I was really excited was, it's kind of it's, it's exactly my kind of game it's like combat third person open world collect-a-thony levels and worlds like it's just my jam um Mars hasn't played it Sean have you played it I don't know if you have have you you have maybe I don't know but yeah Great, great game. Had to include it into my game year, even though the Game Awards didn't. Well, they did, but not. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. Shout out to Rivet. Rivet yes, rules. Rivet. Yeah, absolutely. Kit rules. I, I, I agree that Rivet was my favourite bit. Yeah. It looks uh, it looks fantastic. And yeah, yeah. Maybe not worth 70 quid, but no, it, was, definitely it was very good. worth the price point that it, it was originally sold out for how long it is, but... That's PS5 for you when it first comes out. They can do what the fuck they like, can't they? <laughs> I'm sure if it got released now, they would have probably, you know, lowered that down. But mm. uh, 
It is what it is. It'd be like that. Yeah. Yeah, it do be like that, though. It do be like that. Um, <laughs> uh, Miles, your second game of the year. Um, again, to kind of no one's surprise, really. I'm a little well, I'm a little bit surprised this one actually made it all the way through to the end of the year, still being. Judge is so predictable, bro. I know, right? But it's chivalry too. Like, I just I really didn't expect it to make it this far, and I thought some game would eclipse it along the way. And yet, when I was like thinking of my list, I was like, what game did I have the most fun with this year? And I couldn't look past it. Like, I just had such a good time. Um, you know, they've recently released a, a brawl mode where you're literally just paired up with like, I don't even know how many, I think it's like 48, 32 other people, whatever it is, um, in this giant room and you get spawn in with a tankard or a chair or a paddle or a chandelier and you run around, you just smash each other over the head with it until you're all dead again and again and again. And it's just, it's chaotic, it's gruesome, it's brutal, it's hilarious and it's just completely stupid. You'll just be seeing two guys like, facing off throwing chairs at each other and then running and grabbing like a candlestick and launching it at somebody else for no reason and it's just brilliant um they're adding lots of free content to it so there's new maps coming out um there's loads of new cosmetic stuff which all look pretty cool but the core of the game is it's so easily accessible like if you want to just jump on and swing a massive sword at a bunch of people and die loads of times but get loads of kills doing it like, it's so easy to just jump in and have a good time on the game, even if you suck at it. And it's got a skill ceiling, which is really high. If you really want to delve into this combat system, you can get really good at it and you can really start to play out some really cool tactics. There's so much kind of diversity in how you can approach getting to an objective and disrupting your opponent teams that you can just have as much fun as you want. And what I love more than anything is like flanking around and hitting people from the back and then jumping into a group of people and swinging a huge sword swing and taking off three people's heads at once and then getting belted with like six arrows at the same time. Like it's just absolute chaos, but it's the best kind of organic fun in the sense that you're just storming castles, you're running across bridges, you're firing, you know, siege weapons at each other and everybody's just having a good time. Like there's no... I don't think I ran into any single bit of toxicity. The whole community is all just about spawning in. You'll mash the war cry button so you just scream at the top of your lungs and it breaks like breaks your ears if you've got headphones on. And it's just brilliant. And I just I don't even have much more to say about it. It's multiplayer only. It's a load of maps. The objectives kind of repeat of defend X place or attack X place, steal loot, defend loot, that kind of thing. It's a really basic setup, but I just don't think there's a better medieval battle simulator in terms of just the sheer madness that those battles would have been like and you can even goad people like the the goading emotes that you can shout out are hilarious um and you can just be as stupid as you want me and a friend hopped into it a couple weeks ago just to kind of catch up and we just decided on a free-for-all map there's like a section where there's just like a load of bread and chicken and fruit and stuff we were like oh fuck it we'll just go over there and we'll just have like our bread off and we actually had like an audience of four people and then people started taking it in turns instead of playing the match of throwing bread at each other to see who died first it was just ridiculous um and i just the more i thought about them i was like no i've not had more fun with a game than i did with chivalry 2 this year so i can't not include it um so yeah you're not going to get the most content rich game it doesn't have a single player it's completely online and I think that completely works in its favour. Um, and for once, I didn't begrudge the fact that there wasn't anything else to it. It was perfect for what it needed to be. So, yeah, I, I don't have much more to say about it. Just play it. It's fucking brilliant. And again, launch yourself off a catapult into a wall and just see how much fun you can have with it. It's great. 
Nice. Nice. There are trebuchets in Civil War 2, isn't there? There are, but they're not using... Oh, thank God. I mean, hmm. yeah, it's not quite Age of Empires 4 trailer level of trebuchet, which is <laughs> a real missed opportunity, because that's all the rage this year, you know? That's the real game of the year. Sure. Maybe, sure. maybe we'll get a trebuchet simulator 2022. Maybe. It's about time, damn it. Uh, my second is Forza Horizon 5. This is a game that... This is my last AAA. I've got some exciting indies to come, but... Um, yeah, Forza is just a it's just a masterpiece and it kind of cements Microsoft as man, they've had a hell of a year. And this isn't a game that I expected anything from. And like I said, I think on a couple of pods ago, I downloaded it on a whim. I wanted to see how pretty it looked on my new Series S. And damn, it looks pretty. It's a beautiful looking game. And uh once I got over that, I sort of jumped in and then got completely hooked and became very obsessed with it. I've not played it for a couple of weeks. Um, Mr. Chief has gotten in the way of that a little. But it's it's been a, yeah it's a fantastic game. It really defines how much fun you can have just by racing amazing cars or terrible cars around Mexico, and they make it so much fun. They make they make sure that you have fun around every single corner, and that's really one of the wonders of the game and why I enjoy it so much. Is because you can jump in and there'll be a race to do around the corner. There'll be a race to do wherever you go, and. Even the Royale aspect of it is really fun. Um, I managed to get in a couple of games with that, and uh, that was a good laugh. So it's, uh, you know, short and sweet, but yeah, I'm not going to say anything that hasn't already been said a million times about Forza Horizon 5. It's a, uh, it's a really great game and uh, the best racing game I've ever played um, without, without any question, because it's one that I actually enjoyed. I don't really enjoy the genre all that much. It's not something that grabs me, but Forza is just about having the most fun you can possibly have with super speedy cars and that's well it's as good as it gets for me it's great really really great uh rather Toby, number three okay uh so number three was my most probably most anticipated game of the year i suppose narrator boy was the most anticipated for a long time before that but uh, most anticipated of the year because i was writing articles about it before it even came out um is scarlet nexus um, so Scarlet Nexus was a Bandai Namco developed um, RPG, JRPG, very, very sci-fi, very over the top. Um, it was pretty much, it's pretty much the most convoluted anime style storyline I've ever managed to see um, shoehorned into a video game. Um, but it was just fantastic pretty much all the way through. The, the story managers to just drag you in, um, kicking and screaming against all sort of, you know, this is an anime craziness but it's also just fantastic at the same time um it's got it's, it's like a it's a story about um a like a, a city that's been attacked for years by these weird creatures called others that are kind of created out of um all sorts of household objects into into creatures they look very very strange and and, and otherworldly um the the humans that are left most of them have this sort of brain um attachment that allows them to use certain powers and a lot of them are then also psychokinetically powerful or they have a particular superpower so they're then fighting against the others it's that's the kind of setup but it just becomes completely insane when you start trying to use um, time travel in there as well people 
you know, coming back from different time periods to stop different things, different brain, you know, creatures eating people's brains and um, and just every anime trope you can think of at the same time, you know, like half the time they're trying to work out whether this other boy likes me or whether this girl likes me and all that kind of shit. And it's, but at the same time, it's saving the world. And you're just like, why are we talking about this? But at the same time, it's still managing to draw you in and be fun. Um, it's got one of the most satisfying combat systems um, I played this year. So um, apart from maybe Returnal that I mentioned. So the um, combat in, in Scarlet Nexus is this thing where the, the, you only control the, the main lead character, as I said, for, for Guardians, but you can rope in your teammates. So there's a whole slew of different types of RPG um, move and you know, you've just got your basic slashes and, and long range projectiles and things like that. But then you just tag team in your, your mate who does crazy invisibility stuff and you can turn invisible or you tag team in your friend who does time travel stuff and you can sort of blink in and out of time and appear behind the enemy. And it's that kind of thing. Just, there were like eight different uh, class um, class party members um, and they all had these different powers that all just were incredibly useful and interesting and tactical all at once. Um, and at the same time, it's just bloody frenetic all the way through. You're, you're throwing other members of your team at the enemy just constantly. Um, and I just had a lot of fun with it. Psychokinetic powers have never been done very well in a video game, in my opinion. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a thing that's that's been all that well realized. Um, and in this one, you could literally pick up a car. It felt weighty. It felt fun. And you could throw that car at an enemy. And that was just great. I was so pleased that it felt good to do it um, rather than it feeling sort of, you know, just like meh, I'm just pressing a pressing a button, you know, to do it. Uh, I, someone is mentioning Second Sight and PsyOps, but I don't think they felt as good as this. So I'm still I'm still sticking by what I said. Um, the, the 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 whole thing is also just beautiful so i think the last thing to mention is that it's it's just beautiful it manages to make um i think bandai namco decided to go all in with the unreal engine this year or, or over the last couple of years of their of their development cycle um and bring in all the old code vein style stuff the tails stuff all of the coolest graphics that they had already but then upgraded to the max in terms of um, it is like a living breathing anime um so if you are at all interested in that style it's it's probably the the most gorgeous looking anime style game of the year um and uh, yeah i i just really hope that it spawns a franchise that um bandai namco go back to you know they they took a lot of the code vein guys in to to, to make this and they obviously were making tales of arise um over the same period of time um so split their development teams um but they haven't gone back to Code Vein yet. So I'm just like, mm, are they going to go back to any of these IPs that, that have done pretty well? Code Vein has done impressively well for them. I hope Scarlet Nexus is is uh, second on that list and, and and continues to be something. You know, I, I'd play a Scarlet Nexus 2 in a heartbeat. So yeah, that's my third game of the year. Love it. Love it. Again, another game that I was very happy turned out well. Because God, your hype for that was beyond. <laughs> i got to stop getting hyped. I spent a lot of time making posts for that, making sure that we got code. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, God damn it, Jamie. I don't even know what this game is. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm glad it worked out well. Uh, really, really am. Uh, Sean, number three. Game three is Fights in Tight Spaces, which oh, is oh, oh, oh. the best name for the best game. Anyway. <laughs> I listened back. Uh, sorry, just quick down. Um, when James was on, James Parker, the creator of Fights in Tight Spaces, was on, 
our podcast, I called it about five different names. Um, yeah, like bro- fights in small spaces and fights. Yeah, <laughs> he never he, he 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 never he never corrected me once, which was very nice of him. But yeah, I realised that afterwards. It's 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 hard to say. Sorry, go on. It's Fitz. I'm going to call it Fitz, so you remember. So that's a, yeah, that's a good way to remember it. Yeah. Fitz is it on paper. This should not be an appealing game. It is a roguelike deck building strategy game, which don't groan. I can hear you now. Don't groan. This game, like, outdoes the odds on all of these genres because it is better than the combined parts are allowed them to be. So you basically are play as an action star, an agent who is going on these missions. And at the start of the mission, you pick a deck and you go along a overworld uh, series of missions where each mission represents a, a, a type of action that's going to happen you have little little choose your own adventure bits and you have fights so these fights are all spoiler entire tight spaces and are built on a grid and the idea is you are served up cards and you have to play those cards in order to move your guy around and or guy or girl sorry um and basically do battle with this nefarious set of rogues that are trying to take you down now, the, at every at every action movie, you've got this that moment where like an action star looks around, sees who's coming at him, and then does something really cool to get rid of all of them. That is what this game basically is distilled into. You are allowed to do anything that an action star would do, like kicking a dude into another dude, stepping out of the way so the dude shoots another dude. All of that stuff is possible in this game. And I have had so many good times with this game over the last month or so that I've had it. I keep going back to it, and I will continue to go back to it probably all the way through the next year. And that's why, for me, it's just one of the slickly designed... Slickliest? Is that a word? One of the slickest designed games of this year for me. That's partly because the UI looks amazing, the aesthetic is so clean and nice, and it makes all of this complicated stuff that's going on in the background so simple to understand. Like... If, if, if it was another game done by another developers in the same vein, it probably wouldn't have been as good as this is. But because everything's so clean and nice and tidy with like this amazing black and white with like silhouetted um, characters, it just looks so nice. And when you pull off like amazing like tricks, when you slip in between two guys and they stab each other and then the chef hacks at another guy, back of the head and another guy shoots him and he's down and that, all that is is because you moved and fucked up everyone it's just so nice so rewarding and if you've got a pc i think it's out on xbox as well if you've got a pc on xbox give fits a go because it genuinely wormed its way into my skin and it's it's one of those games i'm going to keep coming back to yep 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 fits is the tits <laughs> Yes! Yay! Put it on a box! Yes! Fingers 2021! <laughs> yeah, shout out to Ground Shatter. Always killing it. Always killing it. Um, Kat, your game number three. My third choice is um, Pap- uh, Pumpkin Jack. So Pumpkin Jack was a game that I played in Halloween that is completely themed around Halloween. Um, for anybody who hasn't played um, Pumpkin Jack, it's essentially about a guy called Jack who's dead and he's um, 
he's been buried for a really long time and from what I can remember essentially you embody this mythical pumpkin lord because the devil has tried to resurrect you to try and kill the town you're basically the bad guy um and the town is trying to stop you but yeah you're, you're like a hire you're like a you're like someone who's being brought back which is really great but just to kind of kill all the kill all the kill all the bad guys but you're the bad guy too it, it's essentially well kill all the good guys but they're bad guys to you so you're helping evil and you know who doesn't love a game where you're the bad guy uh so the town's trying to stop you and they're trying to like bring up all these you know boss modes and um it really runs like medieval or uh bugs bunny lost in time or like the really old school adventure um semi-open world level realm biomes uh where you kind of have a little bit of collecting every world is very different it's kind of linear but a little bit open where you can kind of explore to a certain extent but you'll kind of hit some sort of invisible wall um you have stuff to collect the whole thing is based around halloween you have a little sidekick who kind of helps you um and it's just fabulous it was just a real bite of retro gaming and I actually initially thought it was a remake because of how well it copied like the PS2 and PS1 eras of adventure gaming and platforming I was like oh this must be a remake this must be just a really old game and it isn't it is completely brand new um this year um and I think that's wonderful the fact that you can build and make a game that almost replicates to the bone how you played when you were playing the PS1 or PS2 or really old kind of games and that's just fabulous it's you know from just the clunky ass controls and the kind of clunky combat but it's, it's not trying too hard it, it's doing it on purpose so you can kind of forgive it you can be like yeah that's really clunky and a bit static and a bit like ugh. but actually it was really creative as well you know, every single um little kind of biome that you went into was a completely different take on puzzles a completely different take on um traversing you had like go-karting and then you had kart racing and then you had uh, just all sorts it was just uh, and then you had like fire kind of you had to like dodge these kind of fire cannons that were being thrown at you and then mine karting you know and you like to sit in a mine and you have to like direct the mine um then you had this like little like ghost boat like every single realm was something completely different and I think that's really 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 creative um and it would mock you if you died so I just thought that was really funny as well so like it would be like oh you've died four times you peasant and then you'd get up to like 20 and it'd be like oh someone give this guy a new game kind of thing like it, it just never took itself seriously and and the script was really funny as well it was just such a I don't know like such a nostalgic piece of art to play really and you could tell that someone's kind of heart and soul went into it because everything was on purpose um so that was my and I think it deserves game of the year just that I think that that was you know it was back in October that I played it but I really really enjoyed it it was completely my kind of game I saw the trailer and I was like that I want you and even to the boss battles you know when the boss battles are kind of like if you think about like Spyro or Crash where they've got like Ripperoo for one and then they've got um nitrous oxide for the other guy they're, they're both killed in completely different ways but kind of 
the same kind of mechanic sort of and it's just a creative little way to do it but they're hard as balls and a bit annoying but you know you're kind of dying on uh, a technicality as opposed to like lack of skill it's because we've clunked out kind of thing um which I just love I love it not to say that like, I like shoddy made, shoddily made games because it wasn't shoddily made because it was done on purpose um, and you could tell that. And yeah, it was, it was really nice as well. It was really pretty and it wasn't too easy and it wasn't too difficult. It was just like the perfect game to kind of jump back into. And I wouldn't have been surprised in the slightest if there was a pumpkin jack 20 years ago, but there isn't. Mm-hmm. I want to put a lot of love into this game. Who obviously loved that kind of era. So you like it then? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. it's actually on my game of the year list. I don't know if you know. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. No, no, it was a good game, yeah. <laughs> cool, good stuff. <laughs> uh, Miles? Um, so Miles, yeah. are you okay? Yeah, sorry, I had a slight delay there. I was sneezing. Okay. <laughs> I thought I'd save you the uh, the pain of hearing that. Um, so my next one is Synth Riders. Um, again, kind of... Uh, didn't expect to have a VR game kind of managed to get its way onto my game of the year list by the end but yeah Sith Rider was one that kind of came out the blue I remember you kind of threw me the code after you'd realized that I did have a VR headset um, and I didn't look back from there um, absolutely adored Beat Saber back in the day played hours and hours and hours of it loved it um, and Synth Riders is basically Beat Saber but in some ways it's kind of a, an upgraded version of it um, the only thing it was missing was like a campaign or some kind of like structured level system to actually encourage you to play slightly differently. Um, but it was just brilliant. It released with like over, I think it was like over 60, 70 tracks, something like that. And it was a lot of music that I normally wouldn't listen to of my own accord. Um, but it was perfect for that kind of game. A lot of it's kind of electro, kind of jazzy, kind of dancey type stuff, um, but all very well selected to not be like off-putting. It's all kind of very good beats to keep you like, energized and kind of engaged with it um i liked the fact that you weren't just hitting notes you would sometimes have to like grind rails to kind of follow the note and keep it going or you'd have to kind of merge both hands together in order to hit certain notes and so it created a quite a good skill gap which having played so much beat saber i got into it really quickly and so it was really nice to kind of be challenged from the off and actually just have a really good time with it and there was an offspring pack they had like experience songs and one of them was so like psychedelic trippy that it completely threw me off. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Um, the Offspring one was epic. You know, if you remember back in the day, the, the album, oh, I can't remember which one it was, but it has like a skeleton face and it's surrounded by fire. Um, so the entire song is just like flames in the background, skeletons riffing on guitars and exploding as you're kind of hitting all the notes. It's massively distracting, but awesome at the same time. Um, I think I remember you mentioning it, Toby, of there was a, is it electric something? Electric caravan, something like that, I want to say. Um, oh, I name? can't remember what it is. It was something like that, but they're like yeah. a jazzy electric. It's like yeah, like a retro thing. synth swing stuff, isn't it? Electro swing. It. Yeah, that was it, and it was actually wicked. Like again, not something I ever would have normally listened to. Wouldn't have expected it to work in a game like this, but it was just incredibly well done. Like the mapping of the notes and the the way that they used the different like methods that you have to hit all the orbs or notes or whatever is really well um, kind of invested to constantly have you on the go, but it merges with the music so incredibly well that you feel like you are just genuinely like dancing along to the music rather than playing a game that's designed around it. Um, yeah, it just released with so many tracks straight up. There were leaderboards, there's challenges, 
Um, there's different kind of modes. You can have it where instead of them just coming like face on towards you, you can have it where like the camera kind of pans out a little bit and the note starts swinging in from the left or the right. So it's kind of like 90 degrees inverted. Um, I just had a really fun time with it. My only regret is that my backlog has been so big. I haven't really had the time to go back and play more of it because um, I absolutely adored the time that I had with it. And I reckon if I'd have played it, you know, consistently, I'd probably lose weight. <laughs> it's a really good bit of exercise. It's really fun to play. And it's one of those games where you just wouldn't have an experience like it without VR. Like games like this make VR special and make it unique. And this is what VR was designed to do. And yeah, I was just really glad to have got the opportunity to play it and have so much fun with it. I think it's a really worthy addition to the VR catalog. And I'm hoping that when PSVR 2 comes out, both Beat Saber and that get an upgrade, which will give me an excuse to hop back in and spend another few dozen hours just looking like an absolute fool, but loving every minute of it. Um, so yeah, if you have a VR system and you haven't played it, you owe it to yourself to try out Synth Riders because even like the backgrounds, there were like dozens of different like backgrounds, which Beat Saber didn't have. Like a lot of the backgrounds were really kind of similar so they kind of all merged together quite quickly but there's loads of like dystopic kind of cyberpunky synth like neon like backgrounds which are awesome there's one with like a giant head that like tracks wherever your head goes so it's like following you through the whole song um and there's another one with like these robot machines like all massive like looming over the background like invading a city or something and I was like, this is fucking dope. Like, whoever came up with this game, you've done a good fucking job. Like, you've taken what made Beat Saber good and you've built, like, an entire game around that with all the extra features and kind of nuances that make it exciting that you want to stay in it for longer. Um, and I haven't gone back to it just yet. So I imagine there's probably been more songs added. There's more tracks and playlists and whatever. Um, so when I get an opportunity to, and when I finally decide to get off my ass and start exercising again, I'll probably fire it back up to help me on my way to being healthy again and having a great time doing it. And like I said in my review, any game that can make you enjoy exercise is an absolute win. So yeah, couldn't look past it for the game for one of my games of the year. It's uh, it's brilliant, worth playing. Hell yeah, Miss is so good. And uh, I think yeah, I've got you to thank for that one, haven't I? Oh please now, come on, <laughs> come on now. Uh, yeah. But yes, you absolutely do. Yeah. Well, um, thank you very much, Roscoe. Great <laughs> You're most welcome, my friend. Uh, mine is the next one is Bonfire Peaks. Um, the first of my indie ones. Bonfire Peaks is a puzzler uh, where you've got to get up a mountain, and it's bloody hard. And this is normally a reason why I don't play a lot of puzzlers because my brain just doesn't function that way. But this is just—it's so rewarding and so compelling. And it's gorgeous. It's got the uh, the voxel kind of a two D art style, but in a in a in a uh, in a three D world. Um, it's about a guy who essentially gives up his entire life, and each level is you burning a different box of his belongings um, until he reaches the peak in the mountain. And there's something about it that's just so so relaxing, even though it makes your brain melt. It's <laughs> it's really difficult. But it's it's really heartwarming and touching at the same time. And, you know, I said in my review that it's a gorgeous experience with a multitude of puzzles that will challenge even the most hardened game aficionado. And I stand by that. You know, the sense of completion when it's done was wondrous. I felt like I really felt like I'd taken on something pretty bloody hard uh, when I finished Bonfire Peaks. But 
man, it was so great. And um, I really highly recommend it because it's just one of those games that you want to play over and over because you want to get it right and you want to beat the mountain, essentially. And uh, I'm uh, I'm tempted to, to jump back in and see if I can do it any faster because it's uh, it's one of those... One of those games that's like, yeah, I can do this now, but can I do it any better than what I did? Because it took me a long time to complete. Um, and so, yeah, I encourage you to seek it out. Um, it might help you out um, in a way. It's got the kind of uh, a strong aspect of uh, giving everything up and finding a new life, um, finding happiness in something that isn't, you know, particularly easy or or uh, or strong to kind of uh, to to understand, but. Monfire Peaks is a very mellow puzzler that's very difficult, but man, when it's done, it's so, so worth it and well worth, well worth a shot and absolutely one of my games of the year. Still not finished it. No, it's bloody hard. <laughs> it really is hard. I, yeah. I ended up with paper on the floor trying to map out my movements on this one particular level. Mm-hmm. And I still can't do it. I don't know how to turn and get on the fire. I don't know how to do it, Ross. <laughs> it's one of those things where you get stuck on one level for hours and hours and hours, and then it, you do it, you work it out, you, you go away and come back and work it out, and then you can do like the next 10 levels quite easily because you've al- almost suddenly discovered a new a new way to do it, and then you get stuck again, and it's like, oh, my God. Um, there were a couple. I'll put my hand up. I'll put my hand up right now. There were a couple that I looked up because they were driving me insane, and I had to get this goddamn review done. But by the end the last few levels i i had i had my mind engaged and so it was it wasn't too bad but yeah it's not an easy game by any means and uh yeah i don't i i do not i do not think it's funny if people think it's hard because it's really bloody hard so uh, yeah good luck sean thanks <laughs> I, wish you, I wish you the best on your quest uh, I'm right not to use a guide, but I, I'm going to probably use a guide before the end. I've no doubt that you'll get through it without a guide. You're a, you're a much better game than I. <laughs> Sorry, you've got so much like. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, I don't blame you either. It's bloody hard work. Uh, right, Toby, number four, we're getting through. We're getting through. Wow. Okay, uh, number four is uh, Eastwood. So, uh, Eastwood is a switch exclusive i think when it when it came out it might be going other places at some point but i think it was a switch exclusive um the it's an rpg a pixel art rpg a little bit like an old school sort of zelda so sort of action rpg rather than turn-based and such and really i mean that's the kind of genre that appeals to me anyway a lot of the time um but this one just managed to be wholly modern at the same time as being retro so it tells the story of a a sort of silent protagonist so stoic uh, silent guy called john who wields a frying pan as his weapon um he doesn't ever upgrade to a sword sometimes you get a frying pan as your first weapon this is his weapon throughout the entire game and um he takes a journey eastward across a post-apocalyptic uh world with a charming little magical girl called Sam. And she's the little um, white-haired girl that's on the front cover of all of the um, the marketing stuff for this. So she's just she's just the most charming, lovable little character um, that you ever would meet in a little RPG. She's 
she gets the point she's she's sort of innocently absorbing this brand new world because they, they live in a, a weird little tunnel world or like like a vault um like you would in like fallout or something and then when you come out into the you know the actual world and realize that other people were around in other vaults and there are villages that are okay after the apocalypse and they travel across this train line basically and in in the direction of east um and come across different towns and villages and you know befriend the people that are there and her it's her personality it's her wonderful innocence and naivety that just sort of endears everyone that she meets to her you know her ways of thinking and and that she can help them and this that, and the other um and then john will come in with the frying pan and solve their problems and it was just it just had that real lovely you know nostalgic feel to it but at the same time it felt like the last of us at the same time like it was um you know he's it's joel and ellie you know that that's it was so close to being The Last of Us as a pixel art RPG. I was just like, wow, there's, this feels really like brand new in terms of a, an RPG in, in a pixel art form. Um, it's, it, it just had, you know, lots of, lots of really lovely things going for it. A really nice, but sort of mellow soundtrack, beautiful artwork, that sort of different way of attacking a, a story and you know, never needing to level up much. You got you got a few more hearts like you do on a Zelda, but you know, you didn't need to go into loads of in-depth um, RPG menus and things. You could just experience it most of the way through. Although it was, it was a little bit challenging in term, in places and, and certain bosses and things, but nothing nothing terrible. And um, by the time I got to sort of halfway through, three quarters of the way through, you get to the point where you just you do anything for Sam. She's she's just such a She's a very memorable little character that I will um, sort of treasure the the 30 hours it took to get through the game. Um, but just, you know, whenever she whenever she goes missing or or she gets in trouble with something and you're still controlling John, you're just like, oh, shit, <laughs> I have to go and save Sam right now. It cannot possibly get to a point in this story where she is in danger for any length of time because I just wouldn't forgive myself. Um, so it was just kind of fun in that respect. I, I I really enjoyed my time with it, and it was um it was a very a very deserving sort of favourite Switch game. I would say my my it was the best game I I played on on that little handheld console this year. It sounds great. It sounds really great. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it'll jump to other consoles soon. It's on my list. Yes. As I currently don't own a Switch, so come on, hurry it up, guys. For God's sake. Uh, Sean, number four. Number four is a game called Blind Drive, which came out towards the beginning of this year. And it is a game based entirely in sound. So this is a kind of a B-movie comedy action movie portrayed entirely by a sound in which you can interact with. You, you play as a character which is strapped into a car and blindfolded and, his, and the car is now accelerating into traffic. And the idea is that you use the sound, which is like stereo surround, that you can feel the proximity because it is so well designed uh, where these vehicles are coming towards you from. So whether they're coming left or right, and you basically steer the car away from that direction. And I'll be honest with you, this, this game took me by surprise because you know it sounds so simple. It sounds such a, a simple concept. And you think, why hasn't this done before? 
but the way in which this sound has been put together, the the audio design is world class. Like that, I won't spoil it because by saying what comes later in the game will do. But all manner of things get thrown at you, and some of them you've got to steer into, and some of them you've got to steer away from. And being able to tell, so you sat in your living room with your eyes closed, your headphones on, and basically a controller on your hands, are you going left or right? And you are able to basically be within that soundscape. That's how good the quality of the sound is in this game. Whereas you can feel the things around you. It's so well done that it inspired me to think about the other things that are capable in this. Like we have audio plays, we have choose your own adventure audio books, but we don't have something on this scale. And this, this felt like the start of something new. And I, I truly hope that this game is like the jumping off point for something entirely new because I felt it is one of my favorite games because it completely took me by surprise and felt like something fresh within gaming. Like I could 100% sit down and play a first-person shooter based in sound. If that was, if you know, if somebody was to be able to put that sound together, I would 100% be there for that. Like any kind of audio play where you have to interact, like following people downstairs or something, following footsteps, I would be there for that. And that's all because of this game, because it is a fantastic proof of concept for audio gaming. Sounds like a good concept for a Daredevil game. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah Interesting. Like, I, w- I would 100% be on board with whatever came next in this genre. Mm. But I, I don't know of another game that does this. In such a good way. Are you listening, Amy Hennig? Daredevil, please. Thank you. Isn't she busy doing... She's doing a Marvel game, but I don't know what. No one knows what it is. Ah, it's Moon Knight. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of pods ago, we were debating what it could be, and we were suggesting a Daredevil game. So that'd be nice. It would be. It's it's Moon Knight, though, so don't worry. Okay. Why is it Moon Knight? No one wants a Moon Knight game. Because the TV show is coming. Never mind. Yeah, true. Uh, Cats, your final game of the year. Uh, my final game of the year was, um, and possibly my favourite, I've left my favourite till last, is uh, Yonder the Cloud Chronicle, the Cloud Catcher Chronicle, sorry. This game is everything I didn't know I needed. Um, <laughs> it's, I love, I love a good action game. I love a good shoot 'em up as long as it's third person, as you know. Um, I don't like horror, but sometimes you know what I want to do? Chill in a world and do nothing. Like this, this game does exactly that. This game is everything that you could imagine if you just want to explore, um, craft stuff, cook stuff, build stuff, collect, resource. It even has like guilds, um, which you have to eventually end up like going into to be able to get certain resources to be able to sell your resources to get more ingredients to do the things that you want to do you can rear animals you can find animals you can collect flowers you can collect plants you can cut down trees you can get wood to build like uh, desks and you need desks to build other stuff and yeah they've got like I don't know like seven or eight guilds you can be like a a wayfarer you can be a chef you can be a carpenter um you can be a constructor you can be a tinker a brewer like a tailor um it's just incredible like the depth that they went to essentially you are um you kind of end up in this island and the island is completely covered in like murk 
and you discover that you can see sprites and you have to collect them so around the island is um x amount of sprites you have to go and find and x amount of sprites will um clear x amount of mark depending on how big the mark is um and that mark might uncover resources it'll uncover new locations it'll uncover more story it will uncover residents it, it was just yeah it's just really 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 cool um I just it was just everything that I needed at the time I think I'd played a lot of puzzle I played a lot of I think it was just that time we were playing Left 4 Dead not Left 4 Dead I always do that <laughs> you know what I mean um Back, back for blood, blood. Yeah, yeah back for blood um I was dead by daylighted out I just needed something that was just no enemies no one to run from no one to shoot um let's collect this bug and rear this cow and go break down this tree and collect this amount of corn and grain because I need to go make some flour and I'm going to go make a casserole but I need this egg but I need the chicken first and I need this I love that kind of like a you know x equals y equals z game um and you can go around you can do tasks for people you can sell your resources you might need to you might need to sell your resources to do other stuff you need to trade you need to just go back and forth to different locations it's just so encapsulating with everything that a lot of crafting games i guess cover um but cloud just did it so well cloud does it in a way that just you feel like you kind of feel like it's never ending but like in a really good way you feel like you could do it for blim and ever um and there's like beaches there's forests there's a coast there's like a wintry peak and also as well there's certain resources that will only come out at certain times on certain seasons so you might have to wait like a whole year's rotation just to find certain sprites or to find certain animals or to unlock certain tasks um because those those tasks and those like little creatures and those plants and stones etc will only be available say during the winter during like 3 and 6 p.m it was really well thought out. It was really in depth. It wasn't as just simple as collect everything you see and hope for the best. Like you actually had to really kind of think about it. The, the more you got in, you can fish in it, you can farm in it, you can brew in it, you can talk to residents, you can build your own farm. I actually didn't get into building my own farm loads. I just kind of reared a few cows, you know, built them a few food troughs and then was sent on my way. But you can really go in depth and actually like collect a lot of animals and really make it huge um yeah it was everything I needed it was my absolute favorite I felt like I could really um just really like lose myself you know like when you have a game where you can just you blink and it's like five hours later and you're like shit I need to stop playing this game that was that for me like yeah it was something that I would have never never have picked up um without knowing about it and I think not many people do know about it because it, you know new IP etc and it was just great, you know, great little indie game. Fabulous. Don't know what else to say about it, really. It was everything that I always want in a crafting game and more. Um, there was just a couple of technical glitches that got me got me a bit. And the fast travel was a nightmare. But other than that, cool, because it had a story. It had a story. It wasn't just about crafting. It had a story that you were actually motivated to go and find. You had, you know, you had to collect sprites. So you had like, you had targets, you had a journal, you had to go and go to the guilds and you had to do tasks for residents. Like it was just 
just like a whole diary of stuff to do. It felt like a day job. It was great. Like a fun day job. (laughs) (laughs) Gives me uh, New Horizons vibes. Yeah, it probably is actually very, very similar to that. Um, In a way, I guess. Yeah. Um, Maybe more. I don't know about New Horizons. Maybe more story based kind of New Horizons. Yeah, maybe. 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 Um, But super cool loved it you can like get your own achievements as well so like not only does it have the games trophies it has trophies within the trophies of the game and oh my god i just loved that that was just the best present for me because it's like <laughs> double trophy collecting who double doesn't have double collecting. trophy collecting um so <laughs> that was my that was my just, like just, I can yes. just, just hear <laughs> sean's ears perk up suddenly Wait, what yeah double <laughs> trophies <laughs> give me give me, give me. Give me, give me, give me. Yeah, but it was. It was like collect fifty these. It's like yeah, bitch, I will. And then it like, yeah, it was. It was super cool. It was yeah, really well thought out. Um, and I hope that they, you know, I hope they do lots more with it. You know, if there were DLCs, they cleaned it up a little bit. It'd be it'd be chef's kiss. And mm. yeah, could really do a lot of that game. And the fact that it wasn't just The Sims, you know, it was great. And yeah. Yeah, fabulous. So that's my my game of the year. Um, honorary shout out to Guardians of the Galaxy. That was my fault. I just couldn't play enough of it. So that would have been my fifth one. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have done that, then I might have stuck Witchwood on the end because Witchwood was banging too. But you can read my review for that on fingerguns.net. Hey, <laughs> but those, that's my I'll collection. So it. thanks very much. Thanks, Cat. <laughs> that's all right. Cut out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, talking of Back for Blood, Tencent have just bought Turtle Rock Studios. Mm. Oh boy, Tencent have too much money. It still won't be good. It still won't be good. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Uh, Miles, what's your uh, fourth game of the year? I'm guessing it's not Back for Blood. No, weirdly enough, Roscoe, it is not Back for Blood. As <laughs> much as I would have loved it to be, no, really. Um, Get get just Ross, just get ready to do your nerd thing because I know you're gonna. So I'd rather just be ready for it. So I hope you're. Hey, hey man, I'm I'm a I'm a better man than that now. Okay. Are you? Are yeah. You yeah, I am. Okay, it's Iron Harvest. Nerd. <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah. So this one didn't even really know about it until about a week before, and I realised that it was coming out um, on PS5. And it's this brilliant RTS strategy kind of, it's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of a a mishmash of like a strategy game with a bit of base building light thrown in. Um, So you've got five campaigns in total. Each one has like, I think almost like 10 missions each, except for the last one. Um, Each mission can last anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour to two hours. Um, You've got to build up this kind of, load of troops who have different kind of varieties can be gunners flamethrowers rocket dudes um but then you also get these really cool alternative kind of steampunk 1920s mechs which look like they're made from gears and bolts and rusted planks of metal you know from nothing um the design of each of the mechs is really cool i really like the aesthetic of them and the kind of the the character models i guess for want of a better word for them um, I just think it's really creative how they've managed to take such a, a well-trodden piece of history, create this alternative kind of universe for it, and then but also make it really grounded and kind of realistic in a strange kind of way. Um, 
the game's just got a wealth of content. Like I said, five campaigns. You've got skirmish mode. You've got online. You've got a variety of maps that you can play. It's got a really good tutorial to kind of help you learn the basics. Um, there's loads of mission variety. So there's some where you're controlling like a single unit, having to like stealth around or controlling like a few units where you have to play more tactically to overcome the odds. And then other missions where you just build up a massive base, survive a couple of waves of enemy attacks and then build up a gigantic force of these armored mechs and then go and absolutely wreck everything in your path. Um, there's a little bit of having to kind of do resource management. So you have to take over like little bits of the map in order to get oil and metal um, to help kind of repair and build new stuff. And it's just, I was really surprised by how well they managed to take a game like this style and genre and actually make it work on a console where it's not a pain in the ass to play. Like you can genuinely have a good time on it. And al although it's not quite as precise as you might want it to be, it's about as precise as a console version of these kind of games can get. Um, as a package, I just, there's so many hours of content here and it's such a well-developed quality, polished title. And I just had such a good time with it. And again, it's kind of been a bit of a victim of my backlog, but I've still got it installed and I plan to just go back to it and keep chipping away and keep, keep playing more matches and just enjoying it. It's easy to hop back into and get back into the swing of it quite quickly. Um, and just the level of variety, the options that you have, the different factions that are available, you know, there's just so much to this game and so much depth that I loved it. And I'm a big fan of all things kind of strategy and um, RTS type games. And it's just a shame I don't have a PC to play more of them, but Iron Harvest really kind of has scratched that itch for me and it'll be a game that I can go back to whenever I need to um yeah i thought it was excellent and it was a game i had no idea of coming into the year so super excited i got to play it and yeah just if you like rts's or strategy games good play it i'm very happy you found a game that you loved Miles. thank you roscoe yeah you've gotten a lot of uh mileage out of that one haven't you <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no no i am it's great one of the great things about doing finger guns is discovering games that you knew nothing about and that's one of the joys of what we do I was going to say, like, this year, I think I've played more, like, indie games, more, like, obscure games than I think I've ever played before. Like, I used mm -hmm. to be quite a AAA bitch, like I said on the last podcast, and, you know, this year has really shown me just how quality some of the games can be, and as we'll see from my final game of the year, it's uh, quite a turnaround from where I was about a year ago in my gaming life. So, yeah, thank you very mm -hmm. much for the opportunity. Oh, please. Um, my number four is a game called Unpacking, which is a game that I knew nothing about um before i discovered it on game pass um i think unpacking is the greatest advert for game pass because it was so unassuming it was sitting there in a like brand new games list next to forza and and halo and it takes two and i thought i'd give it a go i thought i'd boot it up i thought the the trailer looked quite interesting and six hours later i'm still playing it it's such a wonderful story being told through just unpacking boxes in different rooms. Um, you tell a story of this woman's life from childhood all the way to adulthood. And you, her story is told through the items that she possesses and how she unpacks her life in different houses, whether it be um, her childhood bedroom or college or university. Uh, excuse me, her first, her first apartment with a partner, her, her first big house. You know, these are little moments that are so intrinsic in our lives. And whilst moving house and unpacking is like one of the worst things we could do as human beings, it's 
for some reason, it's so goddamn calming and so therapeutic and relaxing that I found myself really addicted to it. And I love the story. It's such a so beautifully told through a lot of little, very little things that she keeps throughout from her childhood all the way up to, you know, when she gets her final house. And these moments are, you know, you get little reminders like, oh, yeah, that's that's what she had when she was a kid in her room. And I put it there. Maybe now it's in this room. I can put it there at the same time. So it gives her a reminder. You get really invested in this story. You don't never meet her, you never see her. She never speaks. She's not in the game at all. But, you know, through her diaries, you start to learn more about this woman and you learn more about her struggles and how difficult things have been for her. And so you you almost want to do it on her behalf. You're like, well, she's suffering, so I'm going to make her house look amazing. And that's just what unpacking does to you. It makes you feel like you're working on behalf of someone who really needs a hand. And I don't think there's many other games that can really offer that kind of experience. And it's something that's really, like I said, it's therapeutic, it's relaxing. I played it in between playing the likes of Forza and Halo multiplayer. And I needed something that was a lot more calming and unpacking is the most perfect game for that. I'm really in love with it. And I hope that, I don't think there probably won't ever be a sequel, but I'm hoping that something similar comes along um, because I'm a huge fan now of this studio and I can't wait to see what they do. Um, it was made in Australia, I think. I can't remember the name of the team right now, which is annoying. Witchbeam. Witchbeam, thank you very much, Sean. Um, and they were, yeah, it's tremendous. It's just tremendous. It's my second favorite game of the year. And um, again, just saw it on Game Pass. I knew nothing about it at all and played it and absolutely adored it. And that's the beauty of what Game Pass is. And yeah, I highly, highly recommend it if you need something a lot more chill, a lot more zen. Um Unpacking is a game that you'll have a, a lot of fun with if you need it in your life. All right, then, let's get to our final round. Number five, Toby Anderson. All right, number five, in no particular order still, um, Death's Door. So this was one, probably was looking forward to it. It didn't hit me by surprise, but it was so much better than I expected it to be. Um, the It's a little story. It's like, like a little bureaucratic office story that then becomes something completely different. So you play as a as a little, a little crow with a red lightsaber. Um, and he goes to work one day in like a soul sorting office in the back end of time and space. And the weird Kafkaesque bureaucracy of this place means that you have to sort of collect souls to open doors to, to get more souls to open more doors. No one knows what's going on. No one's been out into the real world for ages. They just live in this office, all these crows. And um, through no fault of your own, very, very quickly, you get sort of trapped outside the office um, and it's just you and your sword really against all of the creatures and, and crazy stuff that's been happening outside. So it's then becomes this um, sort of like, what's the word? Like a, like a souls like, but sort of an isometric top down souls. Like um, the team who made it also made Titan souls, which is a sort of similar idea, but a sort of one shot kills thing. This is just, they've taken that combat that they did so well in that one and just rank, you know, just cranked it up to 11 it's full of all, all the all the same kind of stuff that's been in all five of my choices. Just this sort of dodging, skill-based, challenging combat that that is really rewarding and really fun. Um, it's a very visceral slasher sort of 
you know take on, on that and it's very zelda-esque as well in amongst all the dark souls there's a lot of zelda in there at the same time you sort of chuck bombs and things that there at certain points and you've got um you know certain weapons and such that you can attach to, to the rest of it that makes it feel a bit zelda-like at the same time um it's also on my list because it had um I know sean was saying some of the best bosses in one of the games he mentioned earlier this has the best bosses i could think of this year as well so um the there was like a, a castle that was moving around like a like a possessed castle that moved and shot massive lasers at you um there was an insane witch who looked like she'd come straight out of um spirited away that ghibli movie and she kept jumping in and out of pots and sort of stuffing her entire body into this pot and then jumping out of another pot and i just found the entire thing just incredibly fun to play um and those bosses were just just they demanded so much of you but at the same time they just had that perfect amount of difficulty like it took three or four goes you really had to concentrate you really had to know your stuff and then you got through it you know it wasn't like a like a proper souls like one way you know you you'll probably try that boss 20 30 times um or a Sekiro one where it's just like hours and hours and hours and hours of your life practicing how the fuck to play it it wasn't like that but it was um they were really, really good. And there was one final that at the very end, you you fight this um, enormous crow, like sort of a monstrous crow. And that fight is just incredible. Like black on black characters on a white background. He's just horrendous and terrifying and um, and moves in the coolest way. And then you're still at this tiny crow still managed to beat him. And it's just very satisfying. Um, so I just really, really enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's mostly based on gameplay. The, the story is is nice I mean, it's got a very interesting setup i don't think the plot really went all that far but it was definitely you know enough to keep me going but it was the gameplay that really shone through and just had this um just just a real feel of you know satisfaction and just fun to it that that i think is is, is definitely the pattern i've noticed in in the five games i've chosen so if you if you looked back at all of them there was a instead of it being story like it often is for me like most years it's whatever was the top rpgs that year was usually my favorite things this year it's been very much more you know which one really really taxed your combat capabilities do you know what i mean which ones had that really fun factor and death store returnal all these different ones that i've mentioned they their, their combat was the the most fun element um so yeah that's my um that's one i think i think uh it's appeared on a bunch of other game of the years like top tens and things death store was definitely very popular when it came out but um yeah it's uh it has a deserving place on my list for sure for sure i um i did i did jump in um i found oh, yeah. a demo demo on pc bizarrely my pc was like yeah you can play this what that's weird <laughs> that's um, been optimized well yeah right <laughs> but uh yeah it was fun it was fun um it's not one i've i want to play it on a console i want to play it you know, probably that way yeah yeah. Um, so I shall uh, await its presence elsewhere. But um, yeah, is it not great, on great Game Pass? I believe it is, but uh, there's too much to play. Is. There's too much to play on Game Pass right now. Uh, I'll have a look. We'll crack them. I'll have a look. Cool. Uh, I'm out. Toby out. Great work, Toby. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Sean Davies, your final game of the year. So I, I really struggled to keep this down to five because there were so many games that deserved it. Um, there was a game called Sunlight and like a couple of people have mentioned, there was Guardians of the Galaxy, which is very good. But there was one game that I went back to because someone said, this game was really good. And I reviewed it and I gave it eight out of 10, which I normally wouldn't consider for like a game of the year. 
And when I reviewed it, it had a bit of a nasty glitch, which meant that it, it repeated itself um, at, a, at a particular junction. And this is a very narrative heavy game. So that kind of spoiled it for me. It kind of skipped some of the bits that I should have seen in order and spoiled the narrative for me. Having revisited it without the glitch, having had it patched, I would have scored it higher. And that game is Before Your Eyes. So if you've not heard about this game before, it's out on PC. It uses your, your camera or webcam or whatever camera you've got attached to your PC and it tracks your face. And when you blink and close your eyes, the, the game progresses the narrative. Now, a lot of times this is a very cool like effect where you're sitting there and you're watching um, this, this, this scene unfold. And as you blink, you open your eyes and there's a new part of the story that's been unveiled. And it's a very cool story that's very impactful and emotional. What, what I was most impressed with, I mean, obviously it's, it's a new type of input for a game. Uh, I know that eye tracking isn't new, but to tell a story that like unfolds as you blink, as time blinks by, as you close your eyes, that, that's very cool. But it's the way that it manipulates your eyes. So at certain junctions or junctures of this game, you are, you are asked to keep your eyes open. And it is for unnaturally long times. I don't know if you've ever been told, like, you know, have a staring competition with a computer. And it's, it's, it's a, to a length of time, which isn't painful to your eyes, but does become a strain. And it's one of these things where you, you'll sit there and be challenged by the game physically to become invested in the story by exerting yourself in a way that I've never been asked to exert myself by a game. I've never been asked by a game, keep your eyes open for this amount of time. Sure, do you know little like pot puzzles where a ball goes under one pot of like three pots and the pots all spin around and you've got to pick one. I sit there intently and I can feel my eyes drying out during that time. Now imagine a game asking you to do that to further a narrative. And that's what this does. And it's, it's a really great game that I, it deserved better than what I reviewed it at the time because I was one of the few people that ever saw a, a glitch that happened only prior to release. And if I'd have reviewed it now, I'd have given it a nine out of 10, pushing towards a 10 because the story is that good. It's a story about growing up, about a pair of parents that have some of the best parental banter I have ever heard in a video game that felt, feels like lived narrative. Like this is the lines that two people who are married have written down about each other. And if, if you've got a PC and you want to try something different, like just like Blind Drive, which is a totally different input again, but this, this is a different way to play a game. And if you've got the capability, I highly advise going to check this out because it's a, an awesome story told in a, a unique way with a, a fresh and innovative way of having your player input that's my fifth that's crazy man one thing i've always wanted to ask about this game is how does it how do you play the game by doing intentional blinks rather than just natural blinks so it, it will it tracks your eyes so that it has to be closed for a little bit of time right um, so so like you can't just like a nap like a normal blink which is like fractions of a second it doesn't pick up 
But if you close your eyes for like half a second and open them, then you'll see the the the, the scene change. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, it's cool. Not, it, it's not like it tracks every single blink. It's like it it knows the difference between shit. I've got to blink as a player, and yeah. I'm blinking now to progress the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the okay, thing is, cool. if, you, if you didn't want that, there is a, like a, a way to take away the eye tracking altogether so that you get a story. But like I say, I think the way that it manipulates the player to to use their eyes, it's just it's just really good. Like the mm. first time it happened to me, I was like, it, it makes you look at something and it kind of pans towards this thing and makes you keep your eyes open. It's not gory, but it is suggestive of something that's happening and you know it's just like yeah that's what trauma feels like (laughs) 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 oh okay um and uh yeah i would if if you if you like your stories deep and you like your input methods fresh give before your eyes a go all right i like both of those things Hmm. get on it good stuff thank you very much sean for your five it's a pleasure miles your final game of the year. This one completely came out of nowhere. And it was one that I think um, when we were talking at the Slack, it was kind of given to me because um, I was the most free at the time. And I'm so glad that I was because it was Golf Club Wasteland. And I just cannot fathom how a game about probably one of my most hated sports ended up becoming my game of the year and one of the best gaming experiences I've had in a good while. Um, it's I'll absolutely- this. I'll balance this out by... Watching golf isn't interesting, but playing golf in a video game is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like the idea of watching golf makes me genuinely just want to like smack my head against a wall instead. Yeah, um, it's just I've I've even tried playing it once. Was absolutely terrible. Hated it. Didn't like the experience. It was fine, better than watching it, but not by any stretch of any imagination. And when I loaded up Golf Club Wasteland, I was fully expecting to just not enjoy it and to just sort of force my way through it to review it. And fired up the first level and it got to the end of it. And I was like, I actually kind of like that. That was weird. And then the next level came in and I had like an extra obstacle or two. And I started to play and then the kind of radio is kind of going on in the background and it starts to make a joke about how everybody who lives on Mars is having to go through kind of well-being sessions to help them attune and that's all completely anonymous and supportive and everything else and then it goes and everybody who goes has to also wear a name badge sign in and be recorded during their sessions and i was like ah it's this kind of game i see i get it um and the satire from the radio and the songs and just the general commentary is just brilliant and it really holds your attention through it as well but the actual act of playing it is surprisingly easy so what you have to do is use the left stick you point it up to shoot the ball upwards and then you point it like as far as you want to increase the power and the trick is that you've just got to balance you know where you're aiming how much power you're using there's nothing else to it but it's obviously as you progress through the levels they get increasingly more difficult so the obstacles become more elaborate i really like the one where there's kind of like two buildings and you have to like bounce across the balconies up one building like bounce your way across to the other one and then you've got to like fly over this pipe thing with water underneath to get to the end and if at any point you over or undershoot your ball's just going to fall straight straight the way back down you've got to start again and in any other game i'd have been driven absolutely ballistic by this by a game like this it would drive me absolutely nuts and that's kind of what i had with heavenly bodies 
But in this game, the experience of playing it is just so kind of serene and blissful and almost kind of zen-like. I just found myself getting lost in the world, this little orange astronaut against this kind of neon blue pinky world. And I realised on my second playthrough of it that each of the locations is like based on a country of a, of a planet, uh, of a planet, of the planet. And so like you'll have like uh, significant kind of buildings in the background um, which are all dilapidated and destroyed and it's all got like this blue like hue over it um, of different landmarks of you know different nations and countries and I was like there's just so much nice detail that the developers have put into this and it's had so much thought that's gone into just this is a nice game to play you know this isn't a game that you play to be the best uh, you know there are part times there is like an iron mode where you know it does set you back to the start so if you want a bit of challenge it's there but it's not the point of the game and at the end you kind of unlock a little bit of like a storyboard which tells you the context of why you're this little astronaut and why you know you're going through these these kind of holes on on earth on a post-apocalyptic earth and why it matters and it suddenly contextualizes everything you've done you kind of understand why it's such a a blissful experience and then it's got a couple of really emotional kind of heartfelt moments too um and the subtlety of it was just great i just really enjoyed spending the time it was only an hour and a half two hours i think it took me to finish it um so it's not long by any stretch of the imagination but it really just stuck with me and i remember kind of messaging in the slack being like holy shit this game's great <laughs> and um yeah it really took me by surprise i thoroughly enjoyed it and I think you could do much worse with however much it cost at the time. It doesn't matter. It's well worth whatever price it was. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's worth checking out. I think some of the level design is incredibly creative and, you know, just really interesting. Like they've taken different parts, which would be normal, everyday, boring, you know, buildings and structures and obstacles. And they've turned them into something that's nice to look at and interesting. And the squirrels can fuck off though on that one level where the squirrels nick your ball and then just run away with it. They can piss off. Um, but I just love the way it was designed. And oh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Sean. Oh, I do. Oh, those fuck, fuck the squirrels. squirrels, man. Jesus Christ, I hate also, them. Is it, is it the elef no, elephant or giraffe? Uh, yes. Giraffe, giraffe. Giraffe could eat dick too sorry yeah the giraffes are pain in the ass it's that fucking neck it just blocks the only way <laughs> oh even just thinking about it, it's making me mad um but yeah it's just there's so much creativity there's so much love that's gone into it and i, I kind of said on the slack after i played aspire as well that you know untold uh what was the name of them sean it was untold tales i think it was um untold tales yeah they're the, the, the publishers yeah yes like every game that they seem to be putting out is just brilliant and i'm going to be following them you know very much into the future and again that's kind of why being part of finger guns has been really eye-opening for me because i've gotten to experience these games that i never would have batted an eye at before and now golf club wasteland is my game of the year for this year and somehow that's a thing um but i do need to give a shout out to hades because had that come out this year originally if it hadn't come out previously um then that would have been my game of the year because it was absolutely phenomenal and it's a 10 out of 10 game in my book but uh yeah seeing as i wasn't allowed that one i've gone for golf club wasteland and please check it out it's fully deserving of your attention and your time i highly highly recommend it also golf club so wasteland good. kicks ass it's just so good and it's such a short game that you know if you get it is it on game pass if it is then you have no reason uh, to play it's it. not just yet i don't think um, Death Store is not on Game Pass. So Sorry. If you, Sorry. Want to play, if you want to play Death Store, you'll have to pay for it with money. Ugh. Oh, God. Can Ugh. you imagine? God, the worst. 
Imagine doing such a thing. I think it's because so, I had it on Xbox. I just assumed it was Game Pass. It's <laughs> almost like having a PlayStation Store. You've just got to pay for it, you know? <laughs> oh, God. You know, what's, you know what's weird now? It's just like, I don't want to pay money for games. Like, what? <laughs> That's really weird. <laughs> well, have, we got one, have we got one left? Yeah, I've got one, one left. left. Yeah. I've got one left. What's your, what's your last game of the year then, Ross? My last game of the year and my ultimate game of the year. Better not be Fortnite, I swear to God. Is uh, Fortnite Chapter 2, Season 8. No. Uh, Bye. <laughs> it's uh, a game called Lake. Uh, Lake is a game that I got for review. Um, and I threw it on my Xbox. Wasn't expecting an awful lot from it. And I fell completely in love with this game. This is a game where you play as a postie and you have things to post. And that's pretty much it. And it's absolutely spectacular. Um, you play as a woman who's going, who's like she's got this big corporate business job in the city, and she goes back to her uh, her hometown of uh, Providence Oaks and uh, takes over her dad's posting job while he's away on holiday. And what happens in this two weeks that she's up in Providence Oaks is probably my favorite story of the year. And I played it in one sitting because I didn't want to put it down. I was so enthralled by what was happening. And it shouldn't it shouldn't have been this good. I, I refuse to believe that this game went out of its way to be as good as it was. Away from just the posting and driving around this, this town. Um, it's called Lake because it's got a massive fucking great big lake in the middle of this town. And uh, it's beautiful. But the story that surrounds it and the, you know, the history of her character with some people that still live there that were stuck there at Providence Oaks that never really got out and grew up working there. Um, and her connections to all these people is, was just so touching and wonderful. Um, it's got some great LGBT representation. There's some lovely moments in it um, in that regard. And it's a, just a touching, really lovely story. There's no, there's no, you know, time, battles you're not you're not really up against anything you know you do you take everything as long as you want and you just get to explore this town and you get to get to know the characters um as easy as that you know you're you're not just a postie you're suddenly um an old lady's cat is ill so you got to take him down to the vets for her and bring her back and stuff and there's just this little bit there's a great um video store it's set in the 80s so there's a video rental store but there's all these like copyright safe versions of the uh of, of film titles like um like like uh back to the past and like any, any sort of any sort of 80s film you can think of they've kind of riffed on and um these little moments are really touching and it's just it's just lovely and i put it down and i was like shit that's my game of the year and i kind of said it out loud and i was like all right that's it it's kind of set in stone now regardless of what comes next uh, because nothing else has kind of affected me the same way that Lake did. It was one of those games that I needed just at that moment. You know, one of those, sometimes you just come across a game just at the right time. And Lake was one of those games. Technically, it's not great. There was bugs and there was some crashing issues at first. And these have now been fixed with various updates since then, uh, which is which is great. Uh, but yeah. Being able to look deeper into the story of Lake was what I really thoroughly enjoyed about it the most. And um, I hope I can go back one day because um, it seems to have done very well. And it seems to have a nice 
and I was following me. It's now got merchandise. You can buy plushies of the um, the postal van, um, which I'm somewhat tempted to do. And yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's lovely. I highly recommend it. Currently on Game Pass. Go check it out. And that, my friends, is our games of the year. Of course, there's more of us. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to let the one, the only, Greg Hicks discuss his game of the year um, or games of the year. And uh, yeah, I'll see you on the other side of that. We recorded it last night. So uh, yeah, we're just going to slot it in here and we'll see you afterwards. Uh, Mr. Greg Hicks. Hello, sir. Sorry, I didn't realize Zoom now does this thing. That if you minimize it, it makes this stupid little window thing. Ah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, guessing it's, I'm guessing it's been updated. So, um, yeah, I couldn't like just resume, open the window. It was in the top corner. I was like, which one's the fucking exit view button? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well with technology. Yeah, you're having a hell of a day. Oh. Uh, right. I have uh, stolen you in your very busy schedule. Still yeah, game of the right. year. Um, you've got your five in the article. But, uh, yeah. yeah, as we are with the pod each year, I thought we'd uh, go through them in a little, a little bit more detail. Not much, but a little bit more. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I'm gonna, I'm actually looking at the article now, so I'm going to list them. Uh, I'm going to read them as I've listed them, so it comes as no surprise. Uh, it feels like I'm doing that pre-recorded like Oscar-winning thing, you know, like <laughs> if he wins, we'll play this, okay? <laughs> so yeah, in in list order, my my first game of the year, surprising no one as a triple A title, is Hot Wheels Unleashed. Oh yeah, oh yes. I have been away from kart races for a while bar the old racing game I have to review and stuff like that. I don't have to review, you know what I mean? I get given to review. Um, but when I first saw Hot Wheels Unleashed, because I know there's been Hot Wheels games in the past where it's been like arcadey or cartoony graphics. And I saw the trailer for this and thought, that looks amazing. And then we got a preview code for PC and I, I streamed it. And if anyone remembers, I just spent ages gushing over the cars. Uh, and the car models are amazing and they look realistic, like to proportion and in detail you know the whole like the mold lines mm. the metal trim you know like the, the die cast trim the the spray paint and all that kind of stuff and so did the tracks and i think that's what i loved about it so i was just like i'm driving an actual hot wheels car rather than actual hot wheels track uh, you know that kind of thing which was amazing um so then obviously when the review code came in uh, i had the, the the honor of reviewing the main game and the main game itself the, the only negative I can think of is there is a massive disparity between easy being too easy and medium being uh, a challenge. Um, and our, our good friend Chris Wall has messaged me going like, man, it's just so hard on medium because there's a lot of rubber banding. Yes. Which is a pain in the ass. If rubber banding, if you're unsure, is when like you're trailing behind, so it catches you up to the cars, but it also double-edged sword, they'll catch up to you. So you have an amazing lead until you don't. And you think mm-hmm. it, it doesn't reward skill. It just, you know, the game can come back and bite you in the ass. And the other issue with it is you can unlock a lot of stuff in, in game with currency earned in there. There's no microtransactions as such, but there are extra cars and stuff you can buy. And I hate that. Yeah, sure. Like I got kit from Knight Rider as an unlockable. You can buy it with in-game currency. You can't pay your own money to earn this currency, but it's just a shitter that like things like the turtles thingy wagon and all that is all well it's was it is behind paywalls mm-hmm. which is a pisser but beside that the game itself is fucking fantastic as a as a kart racing game it's so good like there's no weapons it's just drift 
and race and boost and do loop the loops and drive on the ceiling and it's great yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go play I had a feeling you'd uh, you add this one to your game of the year. I never, you're always pretty hyped for certain games, but when the code came in for this, you were like, uh, mine, mine, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're very uh, fortunate to be in a position as a small indie site when we do get AAAs that like, we're all pretty generous with them. And there's yeah. no one that's like coveted it or been like, no, I'm having this, I'm having this. Or like, I mean, there's, there's, there's some people request or there's some that get filled to the people, but there's never any hardships about like well I was that kind of shit but I this one I was like please can I review Hot Wheels so yeah that was I was fortunate to get that and uh you guys have played it since haven't you uh yeah I picked it up on launch day and it was yeah. uh yeah top quality very yeah difficult I'm not good at it but no, I enjoy I enjoy doing the loops <laughs> uh yeah so my next selection is a is a car game but not in the similar sense to hot wheels this one is it, it was a mobile game so it's it's only just come to console and it's called peco caravan and if anyone's familiar with snake on nokia i mean sharing our ages now i know you guys are mm-hmm. but it, 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 like you pick a map and it's very simple you start off as a car and you you hit an icon and it, it randomizes between like one to nine and whichever number it lands on as you pick it up is what you get attached to the back of your car and every level is thematic. You'll be in a shopping level where you get trolleys added to the back of it. Uh, there's one where you're a combine harvester and you get hay bales. Um, it sounds, I mean, it's basically the objective is to make as big a trail as you can, which in itself is fun because as you start adding more and more on, the camera zooms out on the map and you've got to like loop past yourself and you can jump. And the jump's on a cooldown, it's not too long. You can like jump over your tail or jump over, like you can loop on yourself, jump over and keep it going. And there's collectibles to pick up. And it's just, pure fun there's challenges in each level to do um i just said it's like single player no online multiplayer anything fancy like that it's just a very simple game on the switch and i had an absolute blast with it and i still play it every now and then it's just yeah it's, it's the modernization of nokia snake yeah this is, what I can really this, say about it. this is a it's a game that i was not expecting you to enjoy uh, well it came I out of nowhere and went, oh it's a diddy hmm. and i was just like well okay give it a go and uh, i like the trailer and thought yeah give it a, give it a bash and yeah, I, I gave it like a nine, I think. Yeah, that was a high-scoring high, high scoring one, for sure. Mm. Love, love it. But yeah, short, short and sweet, just like the game Snake is, but it's addictive as hell. Mm. Um, yeah, but moving on to something that isn't short and sweet and is quite difficult is a horror game called Song of Horror, uh, which has been, it's been on Steam, it's been on like early access, I think, but it's finally come to consoles. And it plays, well, it plays like, old Silent Hill and Resident Evil plays with tank controls. Uh, it plays with fixed camera angles, but not, not so fixed. Like you can walk through a room and the camera will pan up a little bit. Um, so it's not it, like hundred percent fixed, but it's, it's still all of that old school Resident Evil, Silent Hill, uh, alone in the dark, new nightmare kind of, kind of bent. There's this darkness that can come after you. And every now and then you'd be in a room and you've got to hide under a table and time like a, a breathing thing properly otherwise it will snatch you or you go through a door or you go to go through a door oh no no sorry there's there's a looming presence sometimes in the door and it'll just snatch you straight away but like it will start trying to come through a door and you've got to quickly like button mash it to keep the door shut and uh <laughs> i remember this well my, my friend meg and i well i was playing it and she was uh co-piloting me through through game share uh you know share play chat mm-hmm. And she took over at one point and we just had a QTE to stop the evil presence coming in the door. And two seconds later, she opened said door 
and killed our Russian gardener. And it was like, oh, oh, right, this is permadeath. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, I never got around to finishing it because it was hard. But that doesn't mean it's not impossible. It just means that I have lost a lot of the uh, latitudinal skills to play old school horror games. Like I used to go to speedrun Resident Evil 2. I started playing that the other day on my PS2, uh, PS3 via emulation. I can't remember what to do. I'm so rusty. <laughs> Getting old. But no, some of horror is it invokes that old school like classics with the cheesy voice acting. The they weren't really prevalent on the SNES. They were more a Mega Drive kind of thing. The Mega Drive was the edgier console. And obviously the NES had like battle toes and turtles and that infamy behind them. I didn't have that as such, but I have developed a love for 16-bit platformers. Like I've just recently got the platinum on the messenger. I'm one trophy away on the DLC and I can't fucking get it. And I've got 43 out of 44 trophies and it's bugging me. Oh. I know. But Cyber Shadow, I, Cyber Shadow is even worse because I was playing it on the Xbox version and all their achievements are at like, like 13 and three points. Oh, so you end up right. like on a 16. So you've got to like keep getting a, a random number of 13 and three or five point achievements to round it up. Fun. Uh, yeah, if you've got OCD to have your gamer score on a zero or a five, you are going to be in for a treat because some of those achievements are really hard. But uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a classic sixteen bit hack and slasher, really. And yeah, it certainly looks that way. Yeah, it's a fun hack and slash game with a cool, funky, chip tune, synthwave soundtrack, really. And yeah, I suggest everyone. It's got big bosses, you know, not so much Metroidvania backtracking, but skills you can use later on to come back to stuff mm. which i suppose is metroidvania so i just contradicted myself but it's not it's not a true metroidvania but you can replay levels and uh you know use your new abilities on on old doors and stuff like that yeah but yeah i i highly recommend and to round up is probably one of the most divisive games of the year i don't know why because people want new things they get new things and then they complain about them but for me it's <laughs> death loop I yeah, absolutely was... love Deathloop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't going to be on my list. Sean originally bagged it, and then he found something else. So I ended up with Deathloop, which I wasn't bitter about because he enjoyed it as well. But it fitted with my games I reviewed theme. Um, I loved the concept. I didn't initially like the concept. I thought it was going to be a multiplayer or some shoehorned co-op multiplayer only live service game type thing. And I initially balked at it. And then when it transpires, the multiplayer is optional. Uh, I was a bit more on board. And then when I found out it's to do with time travel and time looping and predestination and predeterminism and the cause and effect you can do on day one, which affects day four. No, not day four, because it's all one day. I mean, the time period. So like something you do in the morning can affect the afternoon. And that's what you kind of have to do to set up certain chains of events that I'm not going to spoil. And if you die, it balls it up, but you don't get annoyed because you've still got progressively more information as you go along. I loved it. And I mean, I love arcane games anyway. Dishonored 1 and 2, and obviously their add-ons, are just, for me, top-tier gaming. I love them. I love yeah. a good stealth. And what took me with Deathloop is I try playing it stealthy, and you can, but there's no punishment for if you balls it up. Like, it's not one or the other. I mean, you will get killed in, like earlier on before you start getting buffs and all that kind of stuff, but... Uh, yeah, you can still go a bit guns blazing and it won't balls it up too much unless you mess up something that a target's planning and it has a knock-on effect later in the day. But if you can have gunfights in small areas, it's not too bad. And it's just some of the funniest writing that 
it's come out for a while like the dialogue that colt has with uh like juliana and the other characters and himself it really reminded me of cortez from time split is future perfect yes that's a good show yeah that's what like some of the dialogue in that and uh I need to. I, I don't want to play Future Perfect again because I haven't got the means to. But I kind of want, want to watch, uh, try that in English. I kind of want to watch all the cutscenes on YouTube because I forget how funny it was. Mm. Like the bit when she punches him in the dick and she's like, "You're not a zombie." It's like, "No, I'm not." And it's like, oh, "No, no, I'm not." <laughs> and uh, when he's reminding himself to do stuff in the future, then he does it. He's like, "Hey, I just did this. Hey, I'm telling you now to do that thing I did." Parcel's like, "What?" And then it loops again. He's like, "Oh yeah, I just told myself to do that thing. Hey, old me, do that thing again." And you have a similar thing with Colt where he, uh, not, not really a spoiler, you see in the trailer, but he sees l- different looping versions of himself. And they're all in like various stages of like craziness or not. And some of the dialogue I think is great. So yeah, I, I ramble more about this one because it's, this has been my, my game of the year was, was Deathloop. And I was fortunate enough to be able to review it. I mean, I did buy a copy anyway, and then we got a code and I sold it to Miles. So it worked out <laughs> right in the end. Um, that happens a lot I with not- you, that, doesn't it? Oh, I, I just get impatient. Well, like I said, we're we're not big time to get stuff two, three weeks early, are we? I mean, no. we're not, let's let's be humble. We're not, unless uh, we we do occasionally, but you know, we don't get triple A's a month in advance like some stuff. Like we sometimes get them on the day or the day before, or like Manny said when I had a two day embargo, I was like, yeah, type 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 shark 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 shark. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like Deathloop, I resigned myself to not getting it. It came out on the Tuesday. I ordered it on the Sunday. It turned up on the Monday, and then we got the code. So, <sighs> Yeah, happened with but Resi 3 as well, didn't it? It did happen Resi 3 last year, yeah. which I saw to Toby, so I feel <laughs> right out of it, but yeah, yeah, makes me laugh. Um, But yeah, it just, I would have reviewed it even if I hadn't got a review code because I wanted to share like how much I knew I would enjoy it. That's how much I was confident that I would enjoy it. So, yeah. Yeah, well. Um, and that's my, that's my five. I know we're not doing uh, like runners up, but I will just put a little mention into, because it came out two years ago, the Death Stranding DLC, uh, not DLC, sorry, Death Stranding Director's Cut. Yes. Because it looks phenomenal. And if you're worried about spunking out 50 quid on Death Stranding, don't. Go to CEX, buy a second hand for a tenner, and buy the PS5 upgrade for a fiver. That's 15 quid for a PS5 game. And it looks phenomenal. And it does. Yes. So I've just been divvying up my time with that at the moment. It's, it's, it's a good calming. When I played it two years ago, I was in a bit of a grump. I didn't appreciate the score and the soundtrack and what it's trying to do. And I was getting bored with some of the stupid characters, even though I'm a massive Kojima shill, but now I'm playing a game with a clearer head. It's just, it's, it's a beautiful experience. And as pretentious as that sounds, it is an experience. It's, it's enjoyable. Mm. Uh, yeah. I've, I've gotten into it via the director's cut. I'm still waiting to get a copy, but I will, uh, I will endeavor to do so. I might do your plan actually, or I might get someone to go to CEX for me. And then, oh, yes. I'll do that. stories to why you're banned <laughs> that you haven't told us about. Yeah, we'll talk about it another day. Yeah, it'll come out one day. Uh, grand. Thanks a lot, man. It's all right. Thank you for, well, thank you for catering to me coming in at a weird time. That's all right. Um, I know we can't all be, all, yeah, all no, be on the main one at the same tomorrow, time, so it's fine. Tomorrow is my last session at Fightworks for the foreseeable. And because I've been training with those guys for 12 years, they kind of want to give me a send off. So cool. Yeah, that's fair enough. You can't miss it. Yeah, we'll have a great time. I'm sure you thank will. You. And I will, I'm sure I'll catch up with you guys before Crimbo anyway. Yeah, oh, definitely. And, and to everyone that's listened and read and watched everything that we've done this year, including our personal streams and all the fight, uh, finger gun stuff that we've done and supported us anyway, then thank you very much and have a good Christmas and New Year from us and from me. Oh, 
Quite being nice. Time, I know. And hopefully by the next time I record one, I'll have moved to Cambridge and everything will be spiffing. I'll have not had as many grey hairs. Oh, yeah. Imagine such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Cheers, man. Thank you. Bye, all. Our thanks to Mr. Grey Cakes. Thank you, sir, for taking the time to discuss your games of the year. Now, we also, of course, have Andy and Paul Collett. Remember Paul? He was on the podcast once. Um, he also had some games that he wanted to, to uh, share, but I'll go with Andy's first. Andy chose the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, the Artful Escape, which is something I really need to play at some point, FIFA 22, which is just the game, Before I Forget, which is a brilliant game, um, if you haven't played that yet, and Unmetal, a awesome 80s kind of pasty shooter, which is well worth a go. And Paul chose three games in his infinite wisdom. He chose uh, Lucky's Tale, um, the Oculus version on VR. He chose Little Nightmares 2, which uh, I know he's a massive fan of Little Nightmares, so uh, that didn't come as much of a surprise. And he also chose the Grand Theft Auto Definitive Trilogy. What? And, what? Um, <laughs> I know Paul hasn't played many games this year, but um, yeah, he really, he really loved San Andreas on the trilogy, so who are we to argue that? You know, I, I know for a fact that Paul would have hated every single one of the games that I said in my games of the year list. Yeah, me so too. I, I can't sit here and, and diss him for liking Grand Theft Auto. That's just his bag. Yeah. He's old man gamer. He's <laughs> He likes what he likes. And that's his, that should be his Twitter handle or something. Old man gamer. <laughs> uh, I, I can't be Father Finger Guns from now on. Paul has to be <laughs> Father oh. Finger Guns. Um, but you know, yeah, he likes what he likes, and that's that's that. Yep, yep. It was just a bit of a surprise to see it in his list today. Oh, right, well, not even. Did two of them even count? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. Of course, he did. But uh, yeah, yeah. Good for him. If he liked it, then that's great. That's what we say, you know. It doesn't matter. That's what thinking guns is. We all play different games, and we all like what we like. Um. Any votes for a publisher of the year? Just very quickly, whatever off the top of your head, Topes. No, I was just going to be facetious and say Activision. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Out. <laughs> oh, no. Out of this podcast. Uh, oh, no, I, I, don't, I don't think that. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Thank God. Um, You'd like to really thank Activision for yeah. uh, punching. Thanks for being such douches. Thanks for being, yeah, thank you so much for being such colossal dickheads <laughs> to women. We really love that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. And then doing nothing about it, but just denying it weirdly <laughs> and just passing the bar. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, if I had to pick one, I'd say Bandai Namco. That has been yeah. the biggest amount of games I've played in this year because I played a bunch of theirs that weren't even. Um, out this year and they've got Elden Ring coming at the beginning of next year so it's just they're just going mental right now absolutely absolutely very good good choice uh, Sean uh, Microsoft or Xbox whatever one would call it mm-hmm. um, between um, Psychonauts 2 Deathloop technically Halo Forza etc etc I think they've had a fucking phenomenal year um, and they are they are finally firing on all cylinders so very nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Kat. Um, I'm gonna say Prideful Sloth. 
love them. Um, also, probably Annapurna. Annapurna have brought out a lot of games this year that I really like the look of. And they're all on Game Pass. So I will get to that. And also, they're bringing out Stray. <laughs> they are bringing out Stray. So uh, maybe they'll be my devs. Maybe they'll be my publishers next year, too. But for now, they're going to be my pre publishers of next year. Okay. <laughs> and they've brought out some amazing games this year, which I can't wait to play. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're mine. Moz? Uh, Untold Tales just for giving me two very very good games this year in the shape of Golf Club Wasteland and Aspire Enos Tale. Nice. Do you know? I, I think you might enjoy that other game that uh, Toby played. Um, the one that you didn't like, Toby. Is it the one uh, with like the five different chapters and like codes? Is no, beautiful in, desolation. Things? Yes, beautiful desolation. Yeah. Oh, oh beautiful desolation. No, no. Uh, I'm a sausage as well because uh, prideful stuff work for 505 games. So actually, I guess my answer is 505 games. I love them. Every game that they, <laughs> apart from Epic Chef, you, you guys have done me dirty on Epic Chef, but every other game for 505, <laughs> banging. You guys have done me dirty. Apart from Epic Chef, fuck honestly, you, Epic Chef. Honestly, they've given me fucking food poisoning from Epic Chef. Like, I'm game of the year, Epic Chef. Cass, didn't oh. D- Team 17 do Epic Chef? You are having a mess. Yes. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, they did. <laughs> oh, God, there's so many numbers. Yeah, I'm so sorry, 505. Um. Now I love you more because you didn't do a picture. <laughs> yeah. Also, Miles, good luck with Beautiful <gasps> Desolation, man. Whew. Oh, okay. Mm, I'm not... If it's if it's not good, I'm not sure I want to ruin my current perspective of Untold because I've only played Bangers so far. It's a real, um, what you might call a CRPG. Like a very, very PC-only RPG. RPG. Um, yeah, I would call it that probably as well. But it's things. Does it just sound for computer RPG? Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I don't I want mean, to just rip on it right now, but it's yeah. It, it, you might have trouble. <laughs> I, I kind of trust your judgment on it. To be honest, we tend to like quite similar games. Um, yeah. Did, did anyone play Hong Kong Massacre? They made that as well. Hong Kong Massacre was one I definitely wanted to, but never got to. It was like what two I years think ago. Great played that this year or the year yeah. before. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Mm. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll go with that one instead. Uh, yeah, mine is Microsoft as well. I think they're uh, they've just stormed it this year, and also I highly recommend the Xbox documentary that's on YouTube right now. Um, it's in six parts. It's incredibly candid, very honest about their failures in the past, and it's really a great insight into where they are now. Phil Spencer is just killing it, and um, yeah, Xbox, Microsoft had a brilliant year. Love them to death. Can't wait to see what happens next year. Obviously, Sony are kind of back in it next year with God of War and Horizon. So, uh, yeah, we're going to see what shakes out. But 2022 is looking to be a fantastic year for good old video games. And, uh, yeah, we can't wait to uh, to get started. I think I could I could almost pick 37 games now that look good enough to be game of the <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, right. <laughs> Next year just looks insane. There's yeah. enough games in January and February alone for me to have five game of the years. Next year, we're going to have to quit our jobs at the beginning. I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. It's just ridiculous. The mailbox is going to be on fire. (laughs) We're going to be like written burnt out by like March. Like, no more. The thing is, if if they're good games, you don't mind writing about them, do you? That's that's the great thing. If if you get like a slew of five out of ten, you're like, do you know what? Screw this. (laughs) But trying to pick five at the end of the year is just going to be be so stupid. We're all going to be um, arguing too about who gets that one and who gets yeah. to write it up. Like, no, yeah. I want to rise it. No, you want to rise it. I, I, I don't mind it. if we make it 80 games. We all get 10. <laughs> That's fine. No arguments. Around the world in 80 games. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, there we go. Um, well, the, the, the one thing is, Kat, is that you're not playing Horizon um, for a few weeks after it's released. 
So listen, to you me. love getting that day in, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring my PS5 on a holiday. I don't give a fuck if it looks ignorant. If you don't okay. play it at the time, you can't have it in your game of the year. <gasps> no. well, actually, oh my god! Well, imagine. No, actually, yeah. Well, the thing is, it might be another lockdown, so I might be. Uh, <laughs> oh god! If there's another lockdown that goes through to February, I'm just going to be like r- wringing my hands together, just like yes, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I might just take all of February off, is that and, then, and just like, play all the games. There's mm. me, Sean, and Miles who work for the NHS. Like, yeah, we, might, we don't get a lockdown. <laughs> <sighs> Well, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Let's uh, let, let's call it there. Um, my God, uh, what a year it's been uh, for us, lot of finger guns. Um, I just want to say, um, I've I've had a really shitty year, uh, whether it be having to move back home, losing the use of my right leg five weeks later, and sort of being in recovery from that. And something that's really kept me going is finger guns, and specific, specifically the the podcast. Um, I think. The, the podcast is kind of, I don't want to take ownership of it, of course not, because it's it's everyone's, but it's something that I really enjoy doing. And um, this year has been really tough and mentally and emotionally and physically for me. And so that the podcast has always sort of been there to something to look forward to at the end of the week uh, with you guys is has really kept me going. And it's been a hell of a year. I've loved having Miles and having Kat as well. Kat's still you know, like, almost almost like one of my oldest friends now and to have her kind of personality and her vibes something to look forward to every week um is is any if, if nothing else good for my mental health um because she's just um she's just such a fantastic addition and i really hope you guys enjoy it as much as we do um this podcast we're at what 137 episodes now and it's because people keep listening to it we keep looking at numbers and going right we'll keep going because people are still tuning in and still going and that's absolutely amazing and you know to have something to look forward to like this where i can we can just rant about our hobbies uh with each other and just talk video games and have a great laugh with each other is something that's really really special to me and um thank you very much indeed for listening it really means the world and we'll keep doing it as long as people keep listening um yeah okay that's all i wanted to say you are welcome, Ross. <laughs> Yay! Go, Ross. You're so awesome. Everyone's awesome. I've had so much fun being part of it, but I'm not going to try and top as gooey as you because that was, <laughs> you know, that was nice enough. And then we'll just turn into like a I Love Us fan club. And uh, I think yeah. I did a gooey one last year. I thought I'm going to leave it this year. Yeah, I'll do the gooey next year. <laughs> there we go. Jesus I'll just Christ. say thanks. It's been amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I'm part of the team now. Yay! I do feel like I should have given Ross some flowers at the end of that speech. <laughs> yeah, we should have thrown some confetti. Like... Yeah. Oh, guys. Um, but yeah, that's all I wanted to say. And uh, as long as you guys get as much out of it as I do, then we'll uh, we'll keep powering through. And uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a very exciting year uh, for the industry next year. And we're going to be right here covering it as ever. Thinking Guns is bigger than it's ever been right now and we're we're really really proud and happy and it's all thanks to to sean with his insane indie monthly lists that are just completely wackadoodle i don't understand how you get time to do it but it's incredible that you do um whether it be miles coming out of nowhere and just smashing it cat coming out of nowhere absolutely smashing it um toby toby's got a, a crazy life going on right now and you know with a massive addition and but he's still knocking out the reviews and you know it's just been 
ridiculous. So, oh. you just called Elliot a massive addition. I'm sure he's a normal weight. <laughs> wow. He's not. He's double his birth weight now. There you go. See, he is. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Oh what no, I love you guys. <laughs> oh, <bam> alam. <laughs> I think it should oh. be our aim this this year to do this in the same room somewhere, COVID permitting, of course. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, we totally said that last week, didn't we? All around a single microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just all <laughs> huddled, all right? Hugging, just crying. shouting into each other's faces. <laughs> That's my game of the air, you but get let go. Yeah. yeah. Uh COVID permitting, EGX Birmingham might be a good shout. Absolutely. We can all get together. Wazd. Wazd in London. Oh, Wazd yeah, all that as well. That yeah. sounds Wazd like a great London. night out. Amazing. I love it. It's the worst, man. It's the worst, bro. Yeah, let's go get worst in London, guys. Get out guys. my face, bro. I'm going oh. worst, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll get some... Uh... Did you just snore? Did you just snore? I was just not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was I not ready for that. The fact that somebody even called out, I was like, shit, I just snorted. And yeah. Oh, wow. It was a lovely little pause. And then everyone yeah. went, ah, these <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake. <sighs> well, I guess on that note, um, that's it for the Finger Guns podcast this year. Um, thank you all very much for listening. You can follow us everywhere. You can go to all the places. We're everywhere. Sign up to our Patreon, $1 a month. Keep this podcast up on its various podcasting services. Keep the website looking nice and shiny. Um, that's the last time I'm going to say that for a while, but I'm all right. It's fine, honestly. Uh, so, I guess until 2022, mid-January, we'll be back uh, covering video games yet again and all its good stuff. It is goodbye from Gartobians of the Galaxy. Sayonara. It is goodbye from Catty New Year. Bye. <laughs> Why? Good- I don't know. You were laughing, so I'm laughing. You, want, you wanted me, because you wanted me it? to do TTFN and you were laughing in preparation. I just said bye. Yeah, yeah. Give what they want, Kat. Give the people what they want. Okay. No, it's not. It's not <laughs> do it. <laughs> T- no. TTFN. Title for now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, you can hear the like hesitation in your voice. As you. Just uh, always imagining but- Tigger when you do it. Good. That's that's the vibe I want to give. You start off for now. You know that's fine. But you know what? I imagine pain and suffering because these two laugh every yeah. single time. Uh, Miles Turner. Have a great Christmas and year. See you later. And of course, Sean to close. Ho 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 ho, bitches! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> Catch you later, guys. Bye bye. Have a wonderful Christmas, have a wonderful new year, and we'll see you on the other side. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>